still in my office. Gosh, Michael, I am kind of the president. And I have no problem with that, but it is just a title, remember? You know, just doing this to appease the stockholders while they scrutinize me for Dad's crimes. Hey, look, Dad may have illegally built some homes in Iraq, which is kind of not cool. Know, but, you know, that's why I've got a business model that I think is going to restore the image of our company. We're going to build a second model home. That's great. Can I announce it to the board? Gee, it is my business model. I mean, if you had a business model, then by all means, you go in there and do... Tell you what we're going to do. Rock, paper, scissors for it. No, no, I'm not... One, two, three... Paper covers rock. Ah, it is a rock, though. She beat everything. There's not a lot of logic to it. It's kind of like on a boat with women and children first. I mean, why should they... Before I forget, I'm buying a company boat. Sorry? That morning, Job had gone to a boat show where he saw something he wanted. Hello. Hi. What a beauty. Thank you. I met you. Oh. Job flirted with her for a while and finally asked for a number. Digits. I'm sorry, I don't give it out without a firm offer. Oh, I'll make you a firm offer. Unfortunately, she wasn't flirting. Here again, please. The C word. You're not getting a boat. One, nope, two, do three. <clears throat> Paper covers rock. Fine, but rock's next boat. Michael. Mom, I'm, I'm, I'm right in the middle of something. Get rid of the C word. I'll leave when I'm good and ready. in 15 seconds after the hour of 11 and this the month of February the year of our Lord 2009 thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day we are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 the talker this my friends me amigos me compadres my fellow travelers on the road of amusement uh, this is the Rick Emerson radio program thank you for coming along it's 7332970 Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. All right, I'm just gonna read just this one sentence out of this one story. Then we're gonna move on with everything else. This is from Mawson, Wisconsin. I only read this now because I don't know whether it's a corpse watch or a religious nutcase watch or both. So I'll just read this. A religious leader pleaded no contest Thursday to charges that he. Stashed a rotting corpse for two months in a follower's bathroom. There you go. We'll get back to it later. I'm just going to say, the decaying, the decaying body was found in May after neighbors expressed concern about the smell. That's great. There you go. That's how you start a week. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. If you'd like to join us today with your comments, questions, clarifications, ruminations, ponderings, musings, uh, whatever it is you have. It's 503 503- 733-2970. Richie Bristol is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the mundane. You can email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am or Richie with a T at 970.am. Here's what's coming up today. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins uh, will join us from the Hill about the... Um, 
blah, 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 stimulus package, blah, 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 which I guess passed or didn't pass. To be honest, I kind of lost interest three or four days ago. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum will join us today, and we'll uh, talk to with Jim Roop, who was at last night's Grammy celebration, which nobody watched. Sarah, did you watch the Grammys? Nope. Richie, Grammys, you watch them? Uh. Yeah. I don't even know one person who won. I, all I, the only reason I know Robert Plant uh, won is because somebody sent me the email this morning, because I'm a big... Uh, Big Zeppelin fan. And so somebody sent me a thing this morning like, hey, Robert Plant, a thousand years old, wins five Grammys. That's the only reason I know. I couldn't tell you. The only reason I mention this, by the way, is because every single person I asked this morning, even the people who worked at music stations here, they all had the same response. Like, watch the Grammys? No, I forgot they were on. No one remembered. No one knew. No one filed it away. Like Little Wayne and Rihanna winning. Yes. Yes, it was, Sarah. Uh, All right. See, now I'm thinking I had to revisit that bit where everybody has to, where I do everything to the auto-tuner. You know, everything sounds, so everything sounds like a T-Pain song. They should, everybody should have to do their acceptance speeches through an auto-tuner. So it's a whole lot, I want to thank, you know, I can't really do it, I can't fake the voice, but you don't talk about the robot, the share voice. Alright, I'll find a way to make that bit funny. I don't, I don't know how. You're almost there. I tried to hear, can I tell you, here's how lame I am before we get to the rest of the, uh, the rest of the, the forward promote, as they say, the rest of the uh, teases about today's show. Here's what I spend my days doing. Friday night, I spend about half an hour trying to auto-tune that Oh Holy Night song. The, uh, you know, that awful version of Oh Holy Night that we play every Christmas? Because somebody posted something on my MySpace blog. You're like, you gotta, you gotta auto-tune that guy. It'll be hilarious. And the thing is, it's not really as funny as you might think. It really, I think, only works if you've got the acapella track. Like, if you can isolate the vocal track from some song, then you can auto-tune it, then maybe it's funny. Because otherwise it just sounds like the tape is warbly. Or sounds like it, what is the thing with the tape? Flutter? Sounds like it has flutter and wow on the tape. Anyway, so I'll find a way to make it amusing, though. If not, I'm just going to have to get Songsmith, and I'm going to start putting Paul Harvey through Songsmith, which I might do anyway. Uh, anyway, so we'll talk to Jim Roop about the Grammys. Let's see what else is coming up today. Our good friend Todd Tulsis will be joining us later on. He will be uh, stepping into that chair right over there uh, later on in the noon hour. We'll have. I will probably do. We'll probably do another installment of Video Rodeo today. A couple things. A, we got some stuff to give away. B, the video's still fantastic. C, there's still people who haven't seen it, haven't heard about it. They only know a little bit, maybe. They don't know really the content. And D, Chris Paddock hasn't seen it yet, and so. Uh, oh, we have to make him watch it. Got to catch his reaction live on the air. Uh, so, and it's, plus, it's all anybody wanted to talk to me about last night after the CBS radio theater thing. Like, we were done, we were all standing, kibitzing, in, as they say, in the hallway, and every single comment was like, so, what about that guy with the, uh, the ass and the thing and the jar and the whatever? Um, so we'll do another installment of Video Rodeo later on today. I'm not sure what we'll give away for it. I think we have given away all of our Friday the 13th tickets for tonight's screening. We'll find something. Uh, we've got that. And I thought this was done last week, but joy to the world, we're going to be continuing breakup stories all through this week. It's AM 970's Happy Valentine's Day or Not uh, contest. That continues this week as well. So later on the day, we will read another a, another breakup story. And if we read yours on the air, it's a $75 gift card to proflowers.com. And you said today's was pretty good. It is right? so good. It's so good. And the thing is... I don't doubt it at all. I believe it just, just instinctively in my bones. I know it to be true. Anyway, so we'll read today's breakup story. Do you have now? You're out of breakup stories, though. I am. I, I have like a couple more. I was thinking about it over the weekend. I mean, they aren't as epic as last week, but I'm sure I could find one. Let me just tell you right now. I mean, just to take some of the pressure off. Nothing is as epic as this breakup story that yeah. I got right here. I mean, I don't know what's going to be coming up like 
the rest of the week. Because we're doing, I'm not picking these. These are being picked. Uh, Bridget uh, from upstairs is picking these randomly. So they're not even really being picked. Don't take this the wrong way, but they're not even being picked in terms of quality. In other words, your breakup story could be simple. It could be complex. It could be two lines. It could be a paragraph. It could be a page. doesn't matter. Uh, but we're picking them randomly. This, though, this one is just so great. And it's like, here's the great thing about today's breakup story, is that every time you think that you've you've heard, like, the sort of climactic section of the breakup, it just gets better. So we'll read that later on as well. Uh, if we read yours on the air, though, it's a $75 uh, gift card to proflowers.com. Go to uh, 970.am. That is the website. Go to 970.am. Click on the Happy Valentine's Day or Not banner. Give us your breakup story, 200 words or less. You could win that uh, gift card at proflowers.com. Plus, today we'll announce uh, the next winner of the AM 970 bailout. The next winner of the AM 970 bailout, where every week we give something away to a listener who is voluntarily unemployed. Today, today's winner will win a TurboTax web card. includes prepaid access codes that can be used for one free federal and state preparation and e-file. TurboTax makes it easy to get your maximum refund. Learn more at TurboTax.com. So that's, uh, that's today. So we'll get to that as well. Let's see what else. Well, that's pretty much it. Oh, except that I got the new Inquirer, which is great, by the way. There's like four different things that I flagged in here. So uh, I, of course, read the Inquirer, so you don't have to. But here's the thing you'll want to after this. I mean, there's like, there's like a hundred things, but I flagged the four best. We'll get what's back. on the cover? Uh, it's Britney's stolen diaries, Sarah. You won't believe what's in them. Let me just read this one. Here's mm-hmm. this one entry from Britney's stolen diaries. Hearing voices again, dot, 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 they won't go away. That is such crap, really? I'm telling you. The Inquirer says it to be so. All right. Uh, It's 503-733-2970. We're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Tarek Stillman. Hello, how are you today? Hello, I'm good. Um, Mondays are always my hardest day because, like, I don't sleep a lot on Friday and Saturday and try to get a lot of sleep on Sunday, and then that means, like... I'm so tired I go to bed early and, of course, wake up in the middle of the night. Wait, so you don't go to bed. So you stay up late Friday night, Saturday night. You try to get catch up by going to bed early Sunday night, but then you always wake up at, like, 3 a.m.? Yes. Okay. All That's right. exactly what it was. Laura and I have this whole fight about whether or not you can catch up on sleep. She says that it's impossible. She has this whole, what with her fancy medical knowledge, she has this whole thing that you that catching up on sleep is sort of a myth, that it doesn't really work, uh, which I, I don't know if I believe that or not. Cause I don't it, know. It does seem like you balance out at a certain point, like, if you... You know, if you have more sleep one night, but less sleep the night before, it seems like it is some sort of, you reach some sort of a stasis. So, but we've talked about this before, that Monday is always the day. If if you're going to be wobbly in your head somehow, it's usually going to be on a Monday. Mm-hmm. All right. Yes, I'm doing that. And then tonight's ex, er, bowling with the ex-boyfriend. Oh, I forgot about that. So you, you're not going to see the Friday the 13th no. uh, screening tonight. Richie, you going? Oh, you're bowling as well. Oh, God. You're bowling as well. Oh, no, God, not. it's aggro bowling, man. Wait, are you not? I got to train MMA. Screw bowling. Realize that no one can understand what you're saying right oh. now because it's all just you coming out as a flirt. mush. Oh, I said I, I got to train MMA. I, I, screw bowling. I'd rather punch somebody in the face. Aren't you our captain? Oh, it's going to be a great uh, day. Not officially. I passed down my throne. You I, passed down your throne? <laughs> I'd re- I don't think that means... I think you're... That's a malapropism, Richie. I don't think that's correct. Oh. Also... I'd rather punch somebody in the face. Well, maybe it's all for the best, Sarah. I don't understand, but won't you be missing a player now, Sarah? If you're yeah, I would no, so. you got five. Who do, who's I'm alternate. Fifth? Are you drunk? No, I'm. No. <laughs> Why do you sound as though you're drunk? Tired, I guess. I'm beat up. Yeah, you sound like grumpy and tired. And no, drunk. I'm not grumpy. You're not going to be punching anybody in the face around here, I, I hope. Think, well, I think I got court today. I don't even know. 
A court regarding what? Like court lives in court and fat boy or court is in I think, trouble about something? I think court is in the man. Is in the man. And you know, don't lie. That's a lie. I may or may not have to go to court today. I, I don't. I have three tickets I got in the last two weeks. I got a speeding ticket for going 84 down I-5. <laughs> I got one for not using my turn signal going over four lanes right there. You know where Grand is or... Yeah. Okay, yeah. When yeah. you're going left over by Burger King. Yeah, yeah, I know. It, you go across four lanes. You do. It's, over. No, it's weird. It's a, it's a strange intersection. It gets a Hawthorne. Right. I went all the way and there was a cop sitting there. Oh, you can't do that. No, they, that's one of those places they totally wait like a trapdoor spider. And then I went around Hooters without my seatbelt on. And there was a... There was a motorcycle cop right there in the Hooters parking lot, and they just, I went right by. What do you mean you went around? You got a around... ticket for speeding, a ticket for cutting across lanes, and a ticket for no seatbelt all in different days? At Hooters. That's yeah. fantastic. Within the space of how long? Two weeks, maybe. Yeah, that's great. Ten days, Wait, maybe. so you, can you do all these at once at court? No, one's in Washington. I was coming back from Seattle. <laughs> one's in Gresham. I'm away to a tournament. Or that's one. great. That's yeah. wonderful. That's, that's your Hooters. best day ever, Richie. So... Let's just recap. I'm sorry, Sarah, to have skipped over your section of the intro here. Oh, but no, that's okay. I'm... Rich, oh, we were talking bowling. Three tickets in two weeks. One of them's in Washington. Also, you've just decided to announce right now at the last moment that you're not going to be bowling tonight. And are you going to be bowling in the future or are you quitting? i, I got to get an average and I'll be the alternate. That's what I said, remember? Yeah, well, you have to go tonight still to get your average. I don't have to do it when other people are there. <laughs> I don't understand. that. You, I can go sounds... six straight frames. Like tomorrow and be done with my uh, average. Okay, that just sounds kind of strange and just weird. Just do my average because my 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 score does not count. Well, I understand, but you like harassed me into doing the bowling league last year, and then I did it again this year because we're all supposed to do it together. Is this because we said you were unlikable and angry, Richie? I just got a bunch of crap last week. Is this because we said you were crazy? Now it's the other way around. Now you're not going to go. We don't want you here, but now we want you here. Nobody ever said here. they didn't want you. Here. I think they were just expressing concern because you seemed edgy, not unlike now. By the way, are you wearing a headband? Yeah. Yes, I am. Because I couldn't find my Louis Vuitton hat. It goes with the brown. I like how in your head, a Louis Vuitton hat and a headband are somehow the same thing that accomplished it. You know, one covers your head and one is just sort of a headband. Oh, yeah. What is the purpose of wearing a headband here at CBS? At CBS? Are you doing a lot of heavy lifting when we're not around? <laughs> no. To get, keep my hair out of my eyes. You know that your hair is like an inch long and receding, no offense. <laughs> it's so I don't have to do my hair. You uh, never do your hair. You're so no, weird. I wish, you, I wish people... You I only put, did your hair with one day when I've ever worked with you, and it was for poison water. And I don't want to get bogged down in, like, aesthetics here at the beginning of the program, but I wish people could see Richie right now when he's saying that he needs to wear the headband to keep the hair out of his eyes. No offense. You really... This is not one of those days where it's conceivable that you're a drag queen. This is one of those days when it seems like uh, like you ought to be interning at, like, Z-Rock in 1992. You're wearing... what? Are you wearing a Pantera shirt? No, this is a tap out shirt. Oh, I'm sorry. All right, well, tap out. It's a fighting thing. All right. Okay. Anywho, all right. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy, and so uh, yes. So yeah, so I guess I'm bowling tonight. Stands one of our members. <laughs> but but you know what? Your ex boyfriend is still be there. So you know what? The night is not without its awkwardness. So it's not like it's going to be totally pleasant, lest you think that you're going to be able to get through one bowling night where, you know, things go uh, smoothly. It's just so. a gamble every week. It's like, is this going to be his team tonight? And I have a feeling it is. Now, have you planned for some sort of contingency? Like, do you know what he would, what you would say if he's like, so, hey, what's up? Like, what would you say? I, I mean, I'm going to have to talk to him. Right. I, I don't know what I'm going to say. I, I think it all just depends on my mood. It's going to play I, by ear. Yeah. 
Because I feel like if I plan it, then it'll just be extra super awkward. That's like when I was standing next to Stacey Wilson at the Coraline program last Thursday. <laughs> uh, Stacey Wilson, who came on this program uh, to, uh, you know, she was uh, she was our guest one day and uh, was helping us out with the news and the so forth, and things went poorly, and she hated us, and whatever. And uh, and the audience didn't care much for her either. So I ended up standing next to her at the Coraline premiere for like an hour and a half. And I had this whole, I think I told you about this on Friday, I had this yeah. whole thing in my head that I was going to say. Like, if she decided to, like, look at me or make eye contact or say something, I was going to try to say, like, sort of half pleasant, half snarky. I was going to say, well, if it isn't my new best friend, Stacey Wilson. Because I thought that was threading the line, you know, between sarcastic and, and sincere. Because it's not like, a, you know, they were best pals, but I couldn't pretend that, like a, nothing had happened. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have to use it because she just studiously avoided making eye contact with me all night. Do you think uh, that she knew that you were standing next to oh, her? We, literally, we were closer than Richie and I are right now. <laughs> I mean, no lie. We were like two feet away. I mean, it's... Oh, wow. Because, you know, when you're standing, when you're, when you're doing the red carpet thing, it's a press line, um, which basically means it's like you're in a police lineup, basically. Uh, and then the stars. Imagine if you're in a police lineup, and then Terry Hatcher just walks from one person to the other to the other to the other. It's like that, except instead of a police lineup, it's a media lineup, and it goes on for like 40 feet. Mm-hmm. And she and I were literally standing right next to each other for an hour. So she was about. I, you know, I don't what's going to happen? She's going to ignore you, and then this always happens: is when somebody gets pissed off at the show, and they always take it out on me. Yes, they do, Sarah. So I'm going to see her at some event, and then she's going to be like, "Why were you guys such jerks to me?" That's more why I don't leave the house. Yeah. Because then I don't ever have to deal with it. All right. Uh, so thanks to uh, uh, thanks to uh, everybody who came up and said howdy and hello and uh, hey hey at the I was at the Battlestar screening uh, on Friday, uh, which went really well, and our good friend Sarah from Puerto Rico was there, so that was wonderful. And then I didn't watch the Grammys at all. Mm-hmm. In any way, uh, not any part of it at all. Uh, I just uh, I don't even know what I did this weekend. It's like a, a weekend where I guess Should've I did gone to stuff. Put their heads. No, see, but I because, and that's what because I was at Battlestar, so I couldn't I couldn't go to that. How was that? It was amazing. So at the Jolly Inn. At the Jolly Inn, I guess beers there are like a buck or something, and they did fourteen hundred dollars worth of business. Well, that place is just no offense, it's a hole. It's I mean, a, it's no, just a it's closet. It's a crap hole. It's like you know, stinky and hot and small. I don't even know how you'd fit people in there to see a show. It was. It, I felt like I was back in high school again. It was kind of ridiculous and pretty awesome. Like, it was just jam-packed. It was one of those old shows where, like, people were, like, slamming into each other and stuff, and someone falls, and immediately ten people will go and pick them right. up. You know, everyone's, like, kind of watching each other's backs. And, see, yeah. They can I just... Them. See, there are certain shows... Let me just tell you this. When I, when I go to concerts or whatever, like, at the Rose Garden, you look up and you see the guys at, like, the skyboxes. And I like a lot of people, I just have contempt for people in skyboxes, not because they're, like, better than me, although they probably are. When I go to, a, especially if it's a rock show of any kind, and you're seeing the people up in the skyboxes, I just turn on all the hate because you just figure that they're not there because they're big. You know, they're, they're there, but they, they have no interest in the band. I always assume that if you were in a skybox at a show, you could care less about the band. You're just there because you're a jackass who wants canopy. I mean, that's that's the thing. Uh, but there have been a couple of shows I've gone to recently where I'm like, oh, this is, you know, a skybox would really come in handy right about now. Mm-hmm. And I'm for, I forgot the last one I went to, but it was like I just didn't. Like, I just didn't want to be down on the crowd. I just found the crowd deeply unnerving. And a show like that is that's one of those things where I want to be in some sort of protective bubble so I don't have to be down there with some guy trying to, like, slam dance into me or whatever. Anyway. Yeah, it was uh, a little crazy, but, yeah, the music was really good. It's all very odd. And then my wife... Uh, my wife has now succumbed to the addiction. She got this, uh, we were talking about this a couple weeks ago. She picked up this, this game for the 360, this game called Beautiful Katamari, which is like this insane Japanese game that, like like many Japanese games, it just seems like it came from some place that is equal parts hell and, like, where Raggedy Ann lives, you know? So it's like, talking lollipops with teeth that chase you, you know? And then, like, and then like a big sunshine comes out with a smile, and then, like, penguins rain down from the sky 
and then a hole in the earth opens up, and then marshmallows come out, and then they throw like tacos at you, and then you and then you've got to and then and then you've got to get a sword and like and I was so so she did that uh, like the bulk of the bulk of this weekend. So it was like a whole weird geek fest uh, at our house. Um, shall we take this random call before we break? Let's do it. Hello, hi, random call and first call of the show uh, and of the week, setting the tone for all that follows. Hi. Hello. Did we have a game last night? No. No, they should be able to. No, they're just ignoring us. Well, that's great. Let's take a break. We'll come back after this. It is the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program. Lisa Desjardins around the corner. Uh, Steve Kastam, I'm Jim Roop. More of your uh, phone calls, uh, ideally, and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Well done, Richie. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Mm, we get them in, in advance, right? Are they going to send us a face bra? They better. We're giving, uh, we're giving them free publicity. Hey, next Monday we're talking to the face bra chick, whatever her name is. Something wolf. Uh, why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill. Here at 11.30 a.m. Pacific Time, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello, how are you today? Hey, how's it going? It's going very well. How was your weekend? You know what? It was really good. It was a really great weekend. Was it uh, action-packed in terms of uh, news? Here's the only reason I ask is because I realized that I kind of I went home on Friday, and I watched Anderson Cooper for about 30 seconds, and then I went, you know, buzzkill, and I just turned it off, and I didn't turn it back on. And I normally am just a big junkie for that guy, but I I just had the it was just kind of a stressful week all the way around, and I turned off the news on Friday, and very much unlike me. I didn't really look at the news again until this morning, and so I don't even know. And then when, and then when I looked at the news this morning, it was on Drudge. It was like that huge thousand-point type he uses, and it's just bright red, and it, it was like a 700 with like 100 zeros behind it. Yes. And, and so I guess I'm paying something or other to make the stimulus thing happen, I guess. I don't know. what What is happening, and how much am I paying for it? Right. We don't know yet, and we don't know yet. Okay. But it looks like uh, somewhere around $800, $900 billion dollars, there was a compromise reached late Friday night in the Senate. And basically what they did is, is you're going to hear senators talk about uh, they made a more focused bill, cut out some of the what they thought was wasteful spending. But honestly, as I look uh, kind of number by number, line by line, what they did was they didn't eliminate many categories. They sort of cut back some categories. So a lot of things that people question, is this stimulative or not, it's still in there, but there's – less of it, less money for it. On the other hand, there there is still a huge amount of money, over $200 billion on tax cuts. That would affect you. That would cut your taxes. Uh, I think something to the tune of $500 per person, $1,000 per family. Uh, there's also a great deal of money in here uh, for business incentives, those kinds of things. But everyone's focusing on one-third of the bill that is spending, um, a lot of its infrastructure, education. But there's a lot of stuff kind of all over the place. You know, there's this whole business about um, tax cuts versus leaving the taxes the same versus raising taxes on certain sections of the economy. And it is sort of though hard to, to argue with it's hard to argue with some folks who say, look, why should my taxes go up or even stay the same? Why doesn't the government just spend less? And, uh, you know, I mean, and I know that that probably is just just a Sisyphean task to even to even talk to the government about, you know, like making their expenditures a little less. But I mean, mm-hmm. it, it does it make is it it's hopelessly broad and I probably too naive for me to even ask that. But it, I mean, we got by without an income tax in this country for, you know, for quite some time. Is is it ever 
I mean, is it even realistic in any sense to just, to just ask the government to maybe, I don't know, cut back on, on how much they're, uh, they're throwing out the door every, every month? Well, you know, there is at least one congressman, Congressman Gomer of Texas, who says instead of doing this, you know, stimulus bill that's 800 pages long, why don't we just not charge income tax for six months? <laughs> and, you know, which, which actually would be cheaper depending on how you do it. Right. And he's saying that now that that's we want to get money in people's pockets. That is the way to do it. Some economists say that might not have as much effect as some things in this bill. I think what this comes down to is government, in, in certainly in the last 15 years, government has really liked to spend money. And, and here is a situation where economists are saying to save the economy, government must spend. But they're talking about a very specific kind of spending. Economists are talking about money to lower and middle classes, especially lower classes, because, uh, you know, if you don't have much money, a little bit of money, you spend it, and it, and it helps the economy. And then also they're talking about money for infrastructure. Uh, you know, kind of your classic, you know, Franklin Roosevelt works projects, get people out there digging in the schools, you know, kind of propping up probably temporarily the economy until the economy can get on its legs. Well, that's the spending economists are talking about, but in Congress, when you say, all right, we got to spend some money, boys, yeah, that stuff will be in there. But they're also going to put a lot of other things in there that congressmen think are worthy. But, I don't know, do new icebreaker cutters for the Coast Guard increase jobs? I mean, I love the Coast Guard, and I feel bad for them because, uh, you know, they don't have a lot of senators really sticking up for them. But it's, it's a fair question. Does that kind of equipment for the Coast Guard help with jobs? Well, yeah, and, and speaking of, of infrastructural things, here's something that somebody asked me. I had a listener, and I apologize if I've already sort of run this question by you, but I don't know, somebody had sent me an email and he said, well, why is, why is the Obama administration so bent on this infrastructural business? In other words, these sort of the ditch digging jobs, when what they really ought to be focusing on are jobs that don't have to, or, you know, that could be sent overseas. In other words, if you're going to dig a ditch right, in Washington, right, right. you got to be here in Washington. If you're going to dig a ditch in Oregon, you got to be in Oregon. Right. Tech support can be done anywhere. So those are really the jobs that the government ought to try to be protecting because they're the ones that can most easily be sent somewhere else. The key is what uh, what they they don't want with the stimulus bill, and it seems counterintuitive, I think, to a lot of people, is they don't want to create necessarily permanent jobs. They want temporary jobs to get the economy through, and then they want businesses to be able to, uh, on their own power, create those permanent jobs. So the idea is, um, you know, it's, it's, like a, it's like a food bank that they hope in a way is, is temporary. They don't want to keep the food bank open forever. They want to get a way to increase spending. And the reason that people like infrastructure is because you get something for it. You get a bridge. You get a road. And America does need bridges and roads. We've got a lot of infrastructure problems. So that's why that all stinks up. There's a lot of people saying, we want to help these industries that are facing overseas competition, but we can't. If we spend money that that creates, you know, say an auto worker job, then the government's going to be on tap for keeping that payment going for years and years, and we can't do that. We need businesses to be able to have that muscle themselves. That's the argument, and, and that's kind of that's why they're approaching it this way. But I I know the argument from the other side as well. And just incidentally, there, every so often, I don't know, probably every six months, there'll be a book or a panel a guest, or there'll be some discussion on Sunday morning about why do Americans distrust politicians? Why do Americans hate government? Right. Let me just say this right here: this, this this sort of thing doesn't help. It says here, leading Republicans warned Sunday that the Obama administration's 800 billion plus economic stimulus effort will lead to what one called 
financial disaster. So what really doesn't help is the idea that there is, in fact, nothing that might happen that's kind of bad but not lethal. Everything bad that's going to happen is going to kill us all. <laughs> right. There really, there's no, like, gradation, you know what I mean? Everything, everything that we disagree with is going to lead to the ruin of all humanity. So why is it that you're not a sort of last days of Pompeii? Like, all right, people, let's hit the liquor store. You know, if, if that's the case, maybe that's where the direction we should head in. Maybe that's that's the thing I have to start pushing for that right now. You know, just just a full-on Bacchanalian. Exactly. That just go, you know, just say, look, the rapture is here. The end times are on us. Uh, who's for boozing and whoring? <laughs> Exactly. Excellent. You want? I'm gonna. I should run for. You know. Uh, look. Let's just be honest. Like six months that we maybe need a new mayor in Portland. So who knows? Exactly. I should just run from the full-on boozing and whoring platform right here it's in Portland. Insane because I feel like, you know, perhaps that's a platform he could have embraced. I don't know. <laughs> But Damn, bada bing. All right, excellent. Uh -huh. uh, all right, on that note, uh, are you on tomorrow? I am, I am. All right, we'll have a... Uh, have, by the way, would you like to hear a sample entry from Brittany's uh, Stolen Diaries? Sure. Okay. Brittany's Stolen Diaries. This is the same one I said earlier, but it's new to you. Uh, this is from uh, the New National Enquirer. Brittany's Stolen Diaries. Here's what's in them. Sample entry. Hearing voices again, dot, dot, dot. They won't go away. All right, there you go. Oh, really? Yes. That is a quote. That is a direct quote from what the National Enquirer says are the stolen diaries of Britney Spears. Now, what's puzzling is the Enquirer doesn't actually say how it is that they know what's in the stolen diaries. That's the question, and, right. And don't get me wrong. I trust the National Enquirer implicitly, and I mean that sincerely. No, do. I, am, I do not. Well, I, you know, I think everybody should be questioned, but the National Enquirer for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, and so forth. Hey, by the way, did you? there's one final note here. Yeah. I didn't watch uh, 60 Minutes last night, like most people, but did you, they were talking about uh, Coldplay. I guess there was an interview with the band Coldplay yes. last night. Yes. And is it Chris Martin? Is that the... Yes. the the anchor, I have not the, the singer. I okay, and, and I I have not seen this, but I guess the guy from 60 Minutes who was interviewing Chris Martin, I got a listener this morning who said that the 60 Minutes guy, if it was like Steve Croft or whoever it was, that he uh, he started the interview by doing that thing where they address the camera with this sort of like big fake magazine cover behind them, you know, and yes. and as he's setting up the piece, apparently he said, quote. Here's one band that won't be snorting coke off the backs of, of strippers. They, he did say something like that. I don't remember the exact words, but yeah, he did. It's odd what 60 Minutes has become sometimes. <laughs> are you, what, what story are they coming out with next week? I mean, I just, it, it's so bizarre. So, yeah, all right, well. Great. Right, I remember because Jason was in the kitchen and he came out and he was like, what? Yeah, so I got uh, so I to I find me that, uh, yeah, I gotta find me that audio. I mean, his whole point is trying to say that uh, Coldplay is a lot more boring than you think, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know if they really sold that. It's like, but it's like when Anderson Cooper said David effing Mamet, you know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right. On that note, have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right, there you go. You really never know what television anchors are going to say. Oh, boo. Even 50 with one yeah. another. All right, well, there you go. I'll do that joke again later. And so forth. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you? Hello. I'm just wondering where our magical news pile is. You know, I thought you had the pile of news. No, you take... Remember? That's your OCD thing. You take That's it every Friday. That's a lie. I didn't think you had the yeah. pile of news. But I did think I had the pile of news. No, and it's not in, in that metal cabinet. It's black cabinet, right? Yeah. If you're sitting at my desk over to the left, there's the sliding metal doors and there's the... Yeah, there. all there was in there was books and empty, like, uh, CD slips. Well, that's odd. I wonder where the huge pile of news went to. Yeah, because that's a lot of glorious stuff. I'd be very sad if like, it's like gone. Like three inches of news. I, uh, I just don't know the answer to that. Is it, uh, is it there underneath the clipboard? Mm -mm. 
Mm. All right. No, and all the stories that I found for today, I mean, they're they're okay, but they're not the gold that's in the pile. They're not the gold. They're not the accumulated gold of that news pile. Exactly. Well, I'll have to look through my things. All right, it's 503 Yeah, so next Monday, by the way, we're talking to the woman who's pitching the face bra. Uh, so, Richie, are they sending us... Please to be Richie, telling us. are they sending us sample face bras to try? All right, thank you. All right, because otherwise, it's, I don't want to talk about a product that I uh, that, that I haven't used myself. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Who might this be? This might be Sean. Hello, sir. How can I help you today? Hello, Rick Emerson. Hello, sir. Dylan. What's hello. up? Am I hearing you right? Are you saying face bra? Face bra. Face bra, sir. That sounds interesting. Uh, I would like to volunteer myself for the video rodeo. And so this is, uh, now have you seen the video? I have not seen the video. I have just uh, heard the name of it and skeptic, uh, uh, I don't know the word for it, thought about what it might be. All right, but I mean, has anybody given you a vague approximation as to what is contained within the video? Uh, just from what I've heard on your show. All right. So uh, what we've been doing is a video, and you can see this, by the way, at rickemerson.com. Uh, it's also at myspace.com slash rickemerson. I put it up there. Uh, the direct URL, by the way, uh, let me stress, uh, really just beyond your imagining how unsafe for work this video is. It really is the least safe for work thing you can possibly imagine. Uh, you can uh, find the video at glassass.com. That is the, uh, that's the website, glassass.com. Dot com. And so what we're telling people is you can come and make it all the way through. Uh, we will uh, we'll give you something shiny. My question to you is, sir, are you in the vicinity of our studios? Uh, right now I'm actually down by Fry's Electronics. All right. Now, will you be back in the Portland metro area at some point? I'm going to make you drive out of your way for nothing. Uh, yes, I will. All right. Uh, well, could you be here, let's say, ooh, I don't know, like 145-ish? Yes, I could. All right. I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm going to put you on hold. Richie Bristol's going to get your information. And uh, we will uh, look for you around 145, and we'll have you watch the video at that point. Okay, uh, sounds good and bad at the same time. All right, there you go. I'm pushing all. Mm-hmm. Richie, you want to talk to that guy, uh, Sean? And, uh, yeah, we'll just uh, see if we can, uh, yeah, we'll try to get him in here around 145 or so. If you can do that, Richie, that'd be that'd be fantastic. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? What is? Hello, hi. Yes. Yes, sir, can you hear me? Yes. Yes, hello. Hey, okay, so Friday I showed my mother-in-law and her sister that video and they threw up all over the keyboard. Oh, really? Did they really? Yes, yes, I am not. And then I called my buddy, and I was like, dude, you got to watch this video. Dude, it's worse than the girl in the cup thing. And he's like, all right, dude. And I'm like, well, I want to be on the line so I can hear your reaction. All I heard was, what? No way, dude. That's not real, is it? And I was like, dude, I don't know. But I only made it to a minute and 20, and that was about it. And my girl's parents... Uh, my girl's mom and her sister watched the whole thing through. It was just the gnarliest ever. Wait, but let's, you. Just, let's hold on, hold on, back up for a second. Sorry, let's, I had to be so. I just actually cracked one open and I'm shredding it right now on 26. <laughs> <laughs> what kind are you drinking? Oh my god! Wow. Um, let's back up for a moment to this vomiting business. So, okay. the the video. Okay, so you showed it to your sister-in-law and her. Wait, your mother-in-law no. and her sister. Yes. Uh, and they're approximately about 55 and 60 years old. Now, did they dislike you already? And so you figure it was just, you know, like, no, uh, what, I, I, what do I you care? Forewarning. I was like, dude, I'm like, this is because I've showed them the two girls, one cup thing before. You know, we're we're pretty loose family. You're progressive we're, people. Yes, we're progressive. I'm like, you guys want to see the nastiest thing in the world? They're like, okay, sure. Yeah. I was like, all right, are you sure? I mean, this is grosser than that other one. And, uh, yeah, and it was like I had to walk away, and I was kind of watching their reactions like some that was my own YouTube thing, you know. And, and it was just, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know how. I made it through a minute 20, and they watched the whole thing, and I was just like, oh, my God. Now, now when you said that they vomited, now, is that just sort of a figurative thing, or did they actually no, hurt? She, uh, her sister, uh, 
my mother-in-law's sister went threw up at, like about. I gotta say it. Tell you the truth. I just, just so you know, I just, I bleep just the tiniest bit of that there because I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to give anything away. I'd like for it to be a glorious oh, surprise. Sorry. But at about the two-minute mark, she hurled, and was it just? Now was this just like a like a little bit, or was it a full-on hurl? It was a full-on. Like, it was gnarly. I was like. And all of it kept saying, oh, he's going to need surgery. He's going to need surgery. Excellent. Yeah. Do you know if they plan to show it to anybody else? I seriously doubt it, Rick. All right, excellent. Well, that's, i got to say, really, no lie, this is the best call of the day so far. Oh, so, okay. uh, right on, dude. I'm a long-time listener, so I've called up a couple times. Excellent. So. Well, thank you for uh, and thank you for uh, mentioning Visa, supporting our fine advertisers. Oh, I love it, dude. And the Dynamo is the ass. I love it. All right, excellent. All right. Drive safely, my friend. Thank, thank you. you. All right, there you go. There's that guy. Okay, Dynamo, it's the crazy maker. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a good kind of crazy, I suppose, but still, Jesus. But, uh, wait, Steve, yes? Yeah. Wait, oh, hold on, wait, yes? Okay, let's walk in out of the Rick Emerson show. What are we going to do about this news situation? I don't know. It has to be somewhere. I mean, well, everything's somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um... I mean, what if we had to do actual serious news? That would just be. But I remember depressing. handing it to you after uh, Kevin left. I just don't know where I. Uh, I don't know where I would have put it. Oh, hello, Steve Castamem. I didn't see you come in. How are you today? I'm pretty good. How are you? I am. Uh, I am fantastic, sir. How was your weekend? Uh, well, it was a great weekend. I was in actually. I was actually away for a couple of days. Was that's in Puerto Rico. Right. Oh, that's right. Why was I thinking you'd gone skiing? That was before. But you actually um, in Puerto Rico. How? Yes. Now, here's the weird thing about this. You were in Puerto Rico over the weekend, and no lie, we have a listener named Sarah who listens to us in Puerto Rico. She's been listening to us for a few years. She listens to us online. She was in Portland this weekend. Uh, so it's like a balance to the force kind of a thing. Strange coincidence. Yes, I was uh, checking out the different uh, extremes of nature. You're right. One weekend I was skiing, and the next weekend I was on a beach. i got to tell you, at some point, like Puerto Rico's on the list of places that I, that I, uh, that I have to go to at some point only because... You know, growing up and watching West Side Story, uh, you know, and then just having the hugest crush on Rita Moreno in that film. Uh, it'd be, it'd, it'd, you know, it, like in my head, I go to Puerto Rico and it's just I am surrounded by Rita Moreno's, uh, you know, just like Rita Moreno clones everywhere I go. Uh, uh, there, there are some Rita Moreno clones and then there are some other women who couldn't uh, look further uh, from Rita Moreno. Well, it's part of life's rich pageant, sir. Yeah. Uh, in any event. Hey, so, um, so I did not see this, uh, but I know that, I know that it was a, a big deal, as they say, because Katie Couric was talking to, what is the guy who is the pilot of that, uh, that plane that landed in the Hudson? Uh, Captain S- uh, Sullenberger, Chesley Sullenberger, a.k.a. Sully, or as Mayor Michael Bloomberg of New York City calls him today, Captain Cool. Which is, have you, and so there's like the cockpit recordings that came out, and we had a friend of ours, our friend David Walker was talking about this, he heard them before we did, and he was so right when he said this, he said that when you hear the cockpit recordings of that guy bringing the plane down to the Hudson, not only was he skilled at landing the plane, not only did he keep his calm, not only did he look cool, uh, you know, you saw him, you know, those guys at all the Super Bowl, and he just looked like a, he looked like one of those right stuff Chuck Yeager guys. But then you hear him, and he's just, he sounds exactly like you want that guy to sound in that situation. Yeah, totally. I mean, he, he talked about it today uh, in this ceremony at City Hall where the mayor presented the entire crew of Flight 1549 with uh, keys to the city. And he uh, talked about how he was extremely focused on all the things he needed to do uh, to bring that plane down safely, how the 
plane had to be at exactly the right angle and how the wings had to be level and how he had to be flying at just the right speed so uh, he wouldn't uh, stall out and essentially drop like a rock. So he was gliding, you know, to, to bring it in uh, uh, on the Hudson River safely and in one piece. And, he, and he's, he's the epitome of cool. You know, he doesn't look like a cool guy, but he is the epitome of cool when, when you listen to him talk about the experience. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it was you that told us this. It might have been somebody else that there is now, I think, MTV or Viacom or... It's so hard to tell who owns who these days. But somebody has now released a flight simulator game in which you are landing a plane on the Hudson. Um, oh, I am not surprised. And it's, not I, I do believe it is MTV, uh, some offshoot of MTV that's done it. And it's already been downloaded you know, like two million times or something. I mean, it really is. <laughs> it's, quite, it's, it's quite something. It's one of those things that has immediately become part of the common popular culture because it is such a bright spot in an otherwise kind of dismal six-month period, you know? And, you know, he said he felt this his entire life had prepared him for this moment because of his training uh, as an Air Force pilot and then uh, as a glider pilot. You know, he uh, had flown glider planes extensively, so no one knew better how to bring in a plane safely without any thrust than, than this guy. I mean, he's very experienced behind the stick of a glider. And uh, he also said uh, he and his co-pilot were talking about how they felt that they were, um, you know, a, a spokesman for their industry at a time when uh, things have been going horrible for uh, pilots. Right. That, uh, you know, they've lost their retirement funds. They've taken massive cuts in pay. And so they felt that they, you know, gave, gave their industry sort of a shot in the arm by doing this. It really is It really is quite something. Hey, I have to ask you, I'm just doing a, I don't know when you got back from Puerto Rico. Uh, I don't know if you were back in time to watch the Grammys, because I'm doing a poll uh, just to sort of underscore my, uh, my belief that no one anywhere who wasn't legally required to watch the Grammys watched them. I did not watch them, but I was at a wedding uh, celebration all weekend and, and hanging out. So I don't, I don't know if that counts because I was sort of distracted. All right. Well, never mind. Well, you know what? That'll uh, we'll we'll put that into the. Uh, that's like a hanging chad vote. We'll just uh, we'll call that. Okay. Up. All right. On that note, my friend. Yes. I was going to say tomorrow, as, as, we're, as we're signing off here, big day in New York. Uh, it's the final day of the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. And as I think you may remember, my favorite New York story to cover every year. I did forget about that, actually. And here's the thing, because here's, here's why we'll talk, we'll talk about it, because you find it interesting and you make it entertaining. I do have to say that maybe it's just because I'm a rube or something. I just It is hard for me to imagine something I care less about than the dog show. And, uh, and I, I thought we'd have some fun with it tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, you know, and I'm a big no dog nerd. You know, I got two dogs, and I, you know, and uh, I, I sit there and I talk to them in a stupid googly baby voice, bo voice, it looks like everybody else does. It's the whenever I watch the dog show, I always pray for some sort of incident that leaves the dogs unscathed, uh, but it causes something horrible to happen to all the owners. I don't know why. Like maybe some, like a, you know, like a horde of, uh, like a horde of locusts or something invading the event, or maybe just, you know, or maybe just like, like a, like a, uh, like a, like an accident outside where like a truck filled with steak tips over. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I, I, I something could happen. You never know. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll keep you abreast of things. All right. Have, have a good day, my friend. Okay. Uh, gotcha. Uh, Steve Kastenbaum. I was busy talking to a hot dog vendor or something. Jesus. Oh, by the way, here's I have good news for you. I don't have good news. I have bad news for you. So Richie just told me that we've gotten, for the love of Christ, so we've gotten these emails recently uh, about the podcast, because we did some podcast issues uh, where people are trying to get the podcast uh, via iTunes. Because there's, uh, there's, there's different ways you can do it. You can listen to the show live. Mm. You can stream it live. You can download. Let me back up. You can listen to the show live here on the radio. You can stream it live at 970.am. You can go stream 
the old shows at the site, meaning you just go to the site, you hit play, and an old show just plays right there in your browser, you listen to it. You can download one of the old shows from the station sites, you can like carry it around your iPod or whatever, or you could go to iTunes, you download it via iTunes, it goes right into your iPod. If only I, if only iTunes hadn't accidentally deleted all of our podcasts for the last three weeks. Oh, are you kidding? Well done, Apple. Well, does Richie still have them on backup? Oh, we're, they're still here, and they're still on the station site. Okay. Uh, but so those of you who've been asking, like, what is up with iTunes? Richie just told me that iTunes uh, has deleted everything from February. Did he get in con- Is it something accidental? I, unless unless I just wronged Steve Jobs somehow, I irritated him, and he decided this was going to be a good uh, display of his powers. So, you know, sorry about that. And our news is gone, too. And our news is gone. All right, that's great. Hey, and Brittany's hearing voices in her head. And they won't go away! Uh, we'll take a break. Come back after this with Todd Tulsis. Some news from somewhere uh, later on. We'll have a senior radio correspondent Jim Roop joining us today. More video rodeo and your call. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503 Well, see, this is very troubling because it's one of those things that might be symptomatic of some larger mental ailment that's plaguing me. Seriously, because I remember handing them to you on very Friday. Upsetting. So, and uh, you're so, you're so, like, OCD about that stuff. I really am. I am very compulsive about how I organize and stack everything immediately after the program. All right, so for those who are just joining us, uh, there's trauma here in the Rick Emerson studios. I've lost the news pile. And I don't mean like it was just here a second ago. I mean, like, I, like we had it Friday. Now I don't have it. Somewhere between Friday and now, missing. Placed elsewhere. Gone. Vamoosed. All right. Well, let's all try to, I'll try to keep our calm and composure, even though the voices in my head won't go away. Jesus. All right. Because just as a little side note here before we uh, formally introduce uh, uh, Todd Tolsis here and before we uh, plunge on into the news hour. So like a lot of people, here's the thing. is that I think if you work it in the entertainment industry or the radio or anything just like this long enough, you become one of two ways. You either become just, a, just, a, just an enormous slob or you become some sort of compulsive, obsessive, type A, anal retentive neat freak. And, I, you know, and I've sort of fallen into I, I I guess I'm kind of a confluence of the two things. But the deal is that... You know, when I'm in the studio, when I'm in my office, I am neat and tidy. Everywhere else, I'm just a wreck. Like, you look at my car, and it's just like a wasteland. My car is just a toxic dump. Oh, as is mine. By the way, just remind me to tell you a story about what I found in my car the other day, Sarah, that'll make you feel better about about your own self. Because I know that occasionally you find, you know, rats Mm -hmm. and uh, exploded out water bottles, uh, bottles and so forth in your car. Just before we do the news, I'll just tell you this one brief thing about what I found. It was actually inside our truck uh, the other day. Um... But so, working in radio, you just, first of all, everybody in radio is filthy. I don't mean everybody, but I mean just the vast majority of people with whom you work in radio, they're just... I mean, you saw how dirty the studio was when we got in today. There's just, like, chunks of food everywhere. Seriously, it's like they come in here with, like, some hose that's hooked up to a rendering plant, and they just spray grease all over everything. I mean, and I mean that literally. I mean, there's just grease everywhere, 
And there's just like bits of food and just like stuff that's spilled and just like paper coffee cups that are like with half an inch of coffee, just enough, uh, just enough so that it can like become moldy when I'm not looking. So over the course of many years, and Tim was like this too, I just became a real uh, compulsive tidier. So I come in, everything is set in a certain place at the beginning of the show. I don't mean to make myself sound completely joyless. I'm just saying a place for everything and everything in its place. And over the course of the program, things get kind of spread out. But then as soon as the show is done, I am immediately... Like folding, collating, set, stacking, sorting, piling, and then I go and I put it all in a special secret uh, drawer inside my uh, office, and then all is right with the world. Except for this morning when Sarah says, where's the news pile? And I say, I don't know. Maybe you have it. And then she doesn't have it, so now it's gone. And I know it's got to be somewhere, but that doesn't make me feel any better. Because now I'm wondering if I have holes inside my brain. All right, you know what? We're pros. We're going to move past it. I'm just saying I find it to be very disturbing. I'm just sad. Yeah, I know. All of the great news in there that we mm. never would have gotten to anyway. But still, you like to think you would have gotten to it at some point. Well, That's the Kevin thing. Kevin Cook got get to the um, appendix coming, operated, you know, coming out of the vagina. Sorry. Yes, he did, Sarah. Yes, You know what it is? Did. It's like losing a black book of numbers of girls who probably weren't going to F you anyway, but you like to have it around just to sort of look at it and go, well, maybe someday. Um, hey, real quickly, just so uh, you feel better about yourself. Remember the other day I came in and I had a, like a weird hacking cough? Uh, it was like a dr And I kept saying, like, I don't know, it's like there's a popcorn husk or something like kind of stuck in my throat. Like, if, you know, you're eating something that's sort of sort of papery and dry, like maybe, uh, like sometimes you get like, a, like, a, like potato chips will be like this too, or a pretzel. And there's just the tiniest bit of, like, a starchy food that will kind of stick in your throat, and it's, you're kind of going like, ah, ah. And it's not like a phlegm thing. It is like a dry like a dry food particle somehow near your larynx, and you're kind of going, ah, all day trying to get rid of it. Like, I don't know, maybe last Monday, something like that, I came into the studio, and I'm kind of doing a whole lot of it. <coughs> Throughout the program, trying to figure out why exactly it is that I've got this dry, sort of dusty cough going on. That night, this would have been last Monday night, that night... Um, I have to go pick up my wife at work, and normally she bicycles home, but I had to go pick her up for some reason. And we had to give a friend of hers a ride home, too. This friend is like, hey, since your husband's coming to take you home, Laura, why don't, you know, can you guys give me a ride at the bottom of the hill? And she's like, no problem. So Laura calls me, and she's like, hey, by the way, uh, we're going to be taking Janice home, too. So uh, can you do me a favor? Can you just kind of tidy up the truck? I don't want, everybody, you know, want her to think we're, we're slobs, which we are. She said, can you just go up to the truck, give it a once-over, uh, make sure there's nothing really gross in there, and, you know, we'll just, that's fine. You know, it'll, it'll, it'll be dark, you know, and we'll drop her off. So I said, okay. So I'm getting ready to go pick up my wife up from work. I go and I open the truck, and I start, you know, and it's like the stuff everybody has, like an old, like a Starbucks cup and, like, food wrappers, or like a, you know, like a candy bar wrapper or something. So I'm throwing all this stuff out. And then I, that thing where you pull the handle and you lean the passenger seat forward, and there, behind the passenger seat in our truck, and I don't know how long it took to get to this state, is yes. a cardboard, I don't know what the word is, but a box, a cardboard box of oranges from the store. <laughs> not a one of them missing, not a one of them not totally green and covered in mold. There was, in fact, a box of, I would say, conservatively speaking, probably 25 oranges that had just become solid green balls of mold. And, of course, here's the best part. When I went, oh, God, and I leaned inside to pick them up, and as I was taking this box of 25 moldy oranges out of the back of our truck, I bumped it against a seat, and then you get the big plume of, of like, green mold dust that flies into the air. And that's when you realize, hey, it's not a mystery why I had a strange dry cough every morning, because all last week I was driving the truck to work. So there you go. 
Me and Ed McMahon just inhaling mold and getting green lung. Mm. My life rules. All right. Hello, Todd Tulsis. How are you? Hello, Rick Emerson. How are you? Oh, you know, Hello, I'm... Sir, Hello, How Todd. are you? Very well, thanks. How are you? Fine, thank you. I don't think I've ever seen you with uh, without your glasses on. It's a new look. Oh, indeed. I think that I, I don't know if I've ever. What do they say? That, uh, you know, guys who make passes at uh, chicks who wear glasses. Yeah, but that's a lot of that's a that's a load of, of hooey's. What that is? <laughs> uh, too old school. Is that what this is? Hooey. Yes, it is. Hooey. All right. Well, in any event. So, how was your weekend, Todd? You know, it rotten. It what rotten? <laughs> it what rotten? Please to explain. Uh, I hit a deer on the interstate. Oh, I didn't not... expect that to go that yeah. way. I'm sorry, guys, but you know, did it just... explode? <laughs> it explode. That's the worst thing you've ever asked. You know, it was not loaded with with ammunition or explosives. It was a Rambo deer. You just no. punched I'm it. I'm saying my the... friend had a deer, and they said like it just fell apart. <laughs> like... It wasn't quite that dramatic. It was terrifying. You know, in its own way. I'm driving down I-205 South. Uh, you know, we're just like uh, south of the 134th in Vancouver. And, uh, you know, I see some cars in front of me slowing down. You know, we're all doing about 60 or so. And there's I'm thinking, what the hell is everybody slowing down for? This is an interstate. For... And then... Let me speed like, up and zip around them blindly. Well, you know, normally I would have, but I was already in the fast lane. And then out of nowhere, this deer bounds from the median. Oh. So obviously it was bounding near the highway as the other cars ahead of me were approaching. And so so out of the median, the you know, the grassy, foresty area. All right, so let's back up for a second. This was where that you were driving? Oh. Uh, this is on I-205 south up in Washington. Okay. And so this, and so you were bordered uh, by forest on each side or one side? Well, uh, it, this particular part of the freeway has got a very large forested, grassy, tree-like strip between the north and southbound lanes. And then, of course, forest on the other side. Right, too, right. Right-hand side. Oh, so the median itself is sort of forested. It's kind of forested. Oh, so so somehow he got across from the forest on the right-hand oh, side okay. to the median on the left-hand side, probably reeling his horrible mistake. He tried to get back to the forest on the right-hand side. I was thinking, wait, no, no, no. Mm. I know the perfect solution to this. I'll just go. Well, I'm hoping he didn't like feel like committing suicide because he left the forest inadvertently. I'm, <laughs> I hope that wasn't what's going through his head because the next thing that went through his head was my Subaru out there. <laughs> So wow, that's uh, that's great. And you know what? It was a glancing blow, but you know, at that speed, it's enough to to kill him. And he did you know extensive damage to the driver's side front of the car. I was going to ask uh, what condition your your, your you vehicle is in. I was, I was. You know, it wasn't so bad that the airbag deployed. You know, it just smashed in the uh, you know the, the headlight area, the bumper, the hood, the door. The you know. here's a dumb question. I've never seen a deer in real life, and I know that makes me sound like I need what? a shelter. Where would I have seen a deer? I see deer like all the time, like driving on the highway or. I don't think I've ever seen a deer in real life. I mean, I know, and look, and it's not like I'm... strange. Not even at the zoo? No, I'm... Why would they have... They don't have deer at the zoo. Do they, they have do. deer at the zoo? Sure they do. I don't remember anything. You know, I went to the zoo... Uh, I went to the San Diego Zoo uh, once when I lived there, and then I think I went to the zoo here once, maybe, but I think it might have just been to see the Indigo Girls, so it doesn't really count. <laughs> uh... That's a whole different kind of hairy creature. But uh, the uh, so I don't I mean, I don't know if they had deer in the zoo or not. And frankly, I remember nothing about the San Diego Zoo. I only went there because that's where they filmed the opening credits to Three's Company. I mean, that was really my whole motivation. I, the zoo just I mean, it's not that I not like I don't appreciate the glory of nature. Here's the thing about me and the zoo is that. I realize that every time I say something like this, it just paints me as just more of 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 a social misfit and just just a hick. But it's like. To me, I feel like I get a much better idea of what a creature's like by watching it on television than by seeing it in person. And I know that doesn't make any sense. But it's like when you see it in person, 
it's not doing anything like it normally would be doing. It's just sitting there going, God, this sucks. Why did I go out to see what was in that that food, you know, that food filled box? You know, because the next thing you know, it's in a net and it's being brought over here to, you know, like to like walk back and forth for, to amuse, you know, to amuse us. Um, so I feel like I get a much better sense for animals by watching them on the TV, on the magical glass that is box. That's so strange. What? That I've never seen a deer? No, that and that you think that you can get a better sense of animals by seeing them well, on TV. Well, because it's like a polar one. Look, it's like the weirdest thing to say. But you can go see a bear at the zoo. It's like in like a big uh, stone enclosure that is nothing like where it actually lives. And I mean, I, I guess you get to see it, but you don't get to see what it's acting like. You don't no, see what it does. No, at the zoo, at the um. At the Portland Zoo, they totally build like this habitat for them. They're climbing around on rocks and trees and stuff. Maybe I'm just assuming that because of Anchorman. Yeah, no, there's not a bear in a cage. Like they're actually out in the wilderness, like in this like little outside area. Well, anywho, uh, and they're scary looking too because they're big glass panels and you can look at them and they'll crawl up to the windows and they'll look back at you. Yeah. yeah. So I, but I don't think I've ever seen a deer in real life. Is my thing because I don't uh, like I don't camp. I don't go camping. I don't go hunting. I'm not like an outdoor guy. I think maybe the I mean, if I have ever seen a deer in real life, I know this makes me sound like that guy in um, the Hunt for Red October who just I would like to see Montana. But um, I think if I've ever seen a deer, you know, it, not on the glass boob in my living room, that it probably has been a deer sprinting across the highway, and so it's just been like a flash of brown and then you know sort of gone. Uh, so I have no. I guess my point is I don't know how big a deer is. Like how big is a full grown deer? Pretty, yeah, I'd say about maybe four feet high. Uh, no, I, yeah, maybe four, five feet high if you include the head. The torso is about four feet high. Neck is pretty long. How much legs. Is, how much does it weigh? Oh, it could weigh over 100 pounds. Oh, see, but that doesn't seem like it would, I mean, clearly it did damage your car. But I, I guess I'm thinking they were much bigger than that. I was thinking it would just destroy your whole car. That would be a moose. Now, is that... The, moose are uh, like 500 pounds. Or, like. or an elk or something like that. That can be over, you know, 500,000 pounds, uh, yes. Let me just let me just look uh, even more out of touch with the state in which I live. Now, moose or elk. Now, which of those, if, if any, do we have here? Do we have moose here? We have elk. We don't we have, have moose. Elk. Yeah. Moose, that's, like, that's more of like a colder region thing like Alaska or whatever. That's an Alaska yeah. thing. All right. Yeah. But elk, are, those are pretty big. Now, you hit that, that's yeah. a, that's a yeah. new car you're getting That's right the there. end of your car. That You know, and it could be the end of you, you know, depending on how fast you're going. Man, that's... Can I so, just, you hit the, so did it just take you to a complete stop when you hit the deer? No, it was a glancing blow off the corner of the, oh. the front of the car, and so the deer went flying. Uh, I'm uninjured. The car was still able to be driven. I drove it here today, in fact. Really? Is it yeah. still? Is it? Is yes, it, it covered is. in bits of fur? Yes, it is. Oh, we have to go look at it. No, you don't. Yes, we do. No, come on. It's like a, we don't want to, but we have to. Uh, we'll do that after the show. All right. Oh, no, 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 no. We're going to do that. We're gonna, no, we will well, do that on the to, show. I wanted to keep everything intact because the adjuster is coming oh, out today. Oh, I won't today. touch it. And I, I just wanted to make sure that I <laughs> Yeah, I want to go lick the front of your car. I want him to make sure that he that that he knows that I want to go consume the deer's courage, Todd. Aren't you afraid that it's going to rain and that all the deer fluff will be washed away? Not the way this is stuck in the car. I'm so morbidly curious. Take that deer out with a crowbar. I just wanted to be sure that I didn't hit like a person or something. You know, I wanted to be sure that you know this was actually an animal who bounded across the highway and not some homeless person who bounded across the highway. Not really. I mean, there's no law against hitting homeless people with your car, probably. Okay, on to other things. I'm sorry. Was that? I mean, maybe there is. Why don't we do a few news stories and then go and look at his car? Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to talk for like 30 seconds if it's all right with you guys. Here's the... Uh, and now, from the CBS Radio Center in downtown Portland, this is the news. 
Hello, Todd Toltis. Oh, hello, Rick. That's all I'm going to say for now. I'm sorry. Fires in Australia are not new, but fires that kill at least 130 people and burn entire cities to the ground are. Wildfires uh, that tore across the Australian state of Victoria in the southeastern part of the country are the worst fires in Aussie history. At least 750 homes have been destroyed, 770 square miles of forest and farmland, all of it aggravated by 117-degree temperatures and 60-mile-an-hour winds. And this is Australia? It is. All right, here's more of me being uh, an idiot, by the way, and just uh, everything I know comes from, uh, you know, like neutral of, of Omaha's wild kingdom. Television. Let me ask you this. Are there certain countries uh, that you think of that when you imagine them, even though you know intellectually it's not true, you picture it in some uh, completely unrealistic fashion because that's how you've always seen it depicted in the media. For example, when you talk about Australia, yes. I know there's like cities and whatnot there. Yes. When I picture Australia, it's just a huge grass plain. That's it. One big plain covered in green and brown grass with like an occasional scrub tree and then the survivor man guy like cooking some beetles. A lot of the, a lot of the interior of Australia is like that. I mean, desert, high plateau areas. Yeah, it is Have like Have you that. been to Australia? A couple of times. Really? Oh, yeah. Just, for, just to, to amuse yourself? Uh, I did amuse myself. While I was there, in fact, yeah, was, uh, I went down there to compete in the World Masters Games once, and then I went uh, on a vacation once there. Too. Wait, the World Masters at golf? Oh, it was no, it's not golf. It's like uh, you know, Olympics for old people. And so you went, to, you competed in like an Olympic type sport in Australia. Yeah. yeah. Boy, you know, everybody who comes on the show is way more interesting than I am. <laughs> that really is fascinating. And so the. Uh, uh, but I mean, did you like what? What were you in? What sport were you competing? It was softball, and uh, it was just you know, I know. Okay, you shouldn't uh, have said that part. I'm sorry. It was uh, much yeah. more. It was much more impressive before you said it was something that uh, something that they have like. Uh, what do you want me to say? Synchronized swimming at the at the office party. <laughs> um, all right. But it's it, but it, you know there's certain things. There that, are rainforests. There are mountains. There you know, there's skiing. There are reefs. I mean, it is not just an abandoned desert. Inhabited by Aborigines. See, that's my and that I think of Australia. It's sort of like how when people think of Portland, they just picture this this gray wasteland where it's just that it's like that Ray Bradbury story where it's only sun shining one day a year or something. Right. Yeah. Um, so all right, well, duly noted. All right, so duly there was a, a huge fire and yeah, everything's big gone. fires, uh, and the, it may take weeks to put it out. Dude, where's my job? You've heard Circuit City is going out of business, but what exactly does that mean? 34,000 people jobless, in addition to the 7,000 people Circuit City dumped last year. Plus, shopping centers lose income, newspapers lose glossy inserts, and the chain owes nearly $625 million to its 30 largest creditors. Those are the companies that supply DVDs, flat screens, headphones, and Wii systems. Meanwhile, not to be outdone, Nissan announced today it will cut another 20,000 jobs from corporate. So what is it with Circuit City? They owe... $600 million? Million or billion? No, million. I can never tell any. I mean, really. Not, the, not anymore. Do you get the sense that a billion has just been so devalued? Exactly. You have no idea. A billion, G. Gordon Liddy, uh, who uh, was a uh, one of the Watergate uh, guys and who used to do a, do a radio program, which uh, which I quite liked, actually. He used to have this thing that... Hello. Where did... Was that me? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, this is oh, this is the Coldplay clip. Somebody sent me the 60 Minutes Coldplay thing. Uh, so that's buffering right now. Uh, but he had this whole thing about how a billion was, you know, people couldn't grasp what it was. And so he had this little way to refer to it that it actually kind of worked for me, helping to visualize it. A billion is a thousand million. And so whenever he was reading a story where there was seven billion dollars, for example, he would say, the company which reported revenues of seven thousand million dollars which really does give you a little insight into exactly how staggering it is. And so if a billion is a thousand million, that then, does that mean, so a trillion must be a thousand billion? Correct. Jesus. So anyway, so they owe $600 million. Does that mean they don't have to pay anybody? Oh, well, they'll find some way to squeeze it out of them. I mean, if Circuit City owes you 
$600 million, but they're like, I don't know, we're bankrupt. What can you do? I well, mean, yeah, I'm sure you've seen the television ads for Circuit City lately, you know, 30% off, 20, you know, 50% off. Right. You know, even, you know, that's how they're trying to pay off their creditors. You know, my wife went to, um, I, won't, I won't say the store, uh, because they're a store that I think probably has not uh, declared bankruptcy, and so that I don't wish to make it appear as though One they're... One of the few. <laughs> I don't want to make them, uh, make them look financially insolvent. My wife went to a store for ladies uh, the other day. We'll put it that way. A store where one can buy... Um, Unmentionables? No, 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 not unmentionables. I say, ironically, because I'm not mentioning what it is. <laughs> uh, but it went like a lingerie store. But you know, a store where you said they, a toiletry store. We'll put it that way. Okay. It was a store where they sell uh, fancy toiletries, and she said this was on I don't know, like on a like on a, a Thursday or a Friday. I mean, it was a weekday, and it was I don't know about six o'clock at night. I mean, so you know, peak shopping hours you would think once people get off work. Weekday, six o'clock at this store where they sell ladies' uh, specialty uh, toiletry items. She was the only person in the store, and she said she was there for probably ten or fifteen minutes, looking around, trying to figure out if she wanted to buy. She was looking for like a hand lotion or something. She was the only the entire time she was there, and this is not at like some out of the way uh, place. This is at a uh, what we will call a high traffic shopping area. She was the only person in the store for 15 minutes, and she said that also every single thing there was like 40% off, 50% off, and it was just, there was nobody. There was nobody shopping there. Anybody who spent any time in any of uh, Portland, the Portland area malls, Clackamas, Clackamas Town Center, uh, Lloyd Center, mm -hmm. uh, Washington Square, anything like that, you cannot notice the scarcity of people just walking around. Uh, you know, I, there was a time when in the evenings, almost any weekday evening, it would seem like moderate traffic almost anywhere. Right. Now, it's ghost town. I mean, do you suppose, so here's the question, do, do people have, I mean, obviously they have less money, but are they actually spending less money or putting less on their credit cards? Or do you suppose, I heard somebody say the other day, well, you know, people are staying at home and they're just, uh, they're doing more at the at the house. So I wonder if people are staying home, they're spending just as much money, but if they're sort of, in other words, I wonder if people are saying, well, you know what, uh, rather than going out, I will buy this Xbox and I will stay at home and save money. In other words, they're spending the same amount of money. They're just doing it over something that's going to be in, the, in their residence, therefore convincing themselves that it's a net gain. It's possible that they are, uh, well, certainly they're spending money on items that can allow them to cocoon. That is right. the, uh, the, the verb of choice. Uh, I think people are attending fewer movies and are opting for Netflix or pay-per-view options, you know, things like that. And there's no question about it. It's happening in our house. We decided to do less movies and, and go with Netflix instead. That's the, Well, you know, and if you have, uh, you know, like I, and I don't say this is our sponsor, it's just true, I have uh, Comcast High Speed Internet, and i got to tell you, it, it, the, the number of things that I no longer need to leave the house for, uh, that I don't have to rent, I have to go out, that, you know, and if you, as Sarah was pointing this out, that if you, if you miss any television show now, the odds are, and I'm not even talking about, like, file sharing or piracy or whatever that it's on uh, it's a, yeah it's on well or not it's on youtube or it's on hulu or or yeah, i can uh, watch anything i haven't had cable for like three years and right. i'm we, well versed on shows just from the internet or like battlestar galactica so we're doing you know uh, cbs at the kufo is doing these battlestar galactica screenings on friday but you know even if you miss it it's on the sci-fi channel it's on sci-fi.com on their website the next day totally free you just sit there and you watch i think that they put a couple 15 second spots in there you watch the whole thing front to back so it, it i the, the movie theaters are the ones that i they they've got to be just taking it in the shorts they are along with restaurants and other uh, venues that would uh, vie for your dollar going out in the evening bars theater um, opera. Does it make me a bad person, though, that it that I sort of root for the demise of movie theaters the way that they are currently structured? <laughs> I mean, they're I just don't horrible. feel... It's like the $16 sodas, and now yeah. they're, like, charged 12 bucks for a ticket? I just don't feel bad for them at all. I really don't. I have, z I have so little sympathy 
uh, for movie theaters right now that have been horking me for $12 a ticket uh, so I can sit behind some gibbering jackass who's on his phone uh, trying to make plans with his uh, trying to make plans with his girlfriend while I'm trying to watch uh, you know Benjamin Button or well, something I'll tell I mean, you if anyone's on a cell phone while I'm going to be in a theater paying that much money for a ticket I'll tell you my barf bucket's going right over his head well uh, I'll I'll sacrifice my popcorn to shut him up hey we never finished talking about your speaking of barfing your deer hitting story <laughs> so just real quickly so you're driving down the road the deer the road. jumps in front of you jumps now did you have any time to register what was happening. Yes, yes. In a, in, in a matter of seconds, your mind goes through uh, you know a series of variables and, and and choices you have to make. Can I swerve? No. Did you think it was a person? No. I mean, but I mean, I mean in a deer you, suit? No. Not in a deer suit. Yes, it was it was one of our furry <laughs> listeners. Um, the uh, that's only if he has big googly cartoon eyes and tries to grab your ass, uh, which I say with love. No, but I mean, when you see like a flash of something moving in in front of your car you did you have a moment where you're like oh my god is that a person no you knew right away it was you knew right away because deer don't walk or stroll they bound right 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 they bounce and so i knew right away what it was and the first thing you think is can i get out of the way is there any other cars near me and there were if i tried to swerve at that speed not only would i probably crash into the next car behind me i'd cause a series of uh, you know pileups behind kind of me rolled well. over maybe yeah or... i probably would have been able to drive away and there would have been seven other cars piled up behind me that's not an option so you just, you know, you grit your teeth, you hang on, and, you know, there's just no place to go. There Jesus. is no place to go. And uh, so, and I hit him in the corner of the car as opposed to dead center. Right. And so because I hit him in the corner, he went flying back onto the, I don't mean to make this sound lurid. Oh, no, I mean, know, it's a, you know, here's the thing. is like this is a thing that everybody thinks about in this part of the country. Because everywhere, you, every time you're on the highway, you see one of those signs. Uh, you know, like deer, deer crossing. crossing. Everybody uh, lives in fear. Because here's the thing. Be, because everybody knows that everybody everybody knows that there's just certain things you can't stop. There's certain things that are unavoidable. And we, you know, whenever there's a, a, an accident or whenever somebody is a fender bender or whatever, you know, it's the sort of, you know, like, well, whose fault was it? Why did they? And sometimes it's not, it's just nobody's fault it's because anybody's fault. 60 miles an hour. There's no stopping distance long enough. You're just not, that's not an option. You're going to hit whatever it is. Do you ever do this? Am I the only one that does this when you're driving down the highway or you're on the road and you are... There's like the white lines, you know, the dotted white line. Am I the only one that occasionally will pick a white line that is about 100 yards ahead? And I'll think to myself, if that was a stationary car or a person, would I have time to, to stop? How fast would that be here? You are the only person who does that. One I do that all the time. If I'm driving down the road and there's the dotted white line, I will sometimes pick a, a you know, one of the little white stripes that is sort of in the, in, you know, ahead of me in the road. And I will think to myself, if that was... A person, if that was a car that had just stopped or a motorcycle that had just hit it, how quickly would it be on me? Would I have time to stop? Because they drill that following distance thing into you all the time, but you always kind of suspect that it, it wouldn't do any good. But there's no place to go if you're already in the left lane. You can't go into the next left lane. That's the median. It's nothing right. but grass and trees. Right. right. That's not an option. You can't go into the right lane. There's cars over there. There's nothing you can do. You just got to hang on to the steering wheel and... You know, and, and hope maybe at the last second he'll bounce out of the way or something, but that didn't happen. Or that Godzilla's foot will come down and crush him before before you you know before you hit him. That, at any that point, wasn't did, something I thought about happening. But now that you mention it, that was a viable option. At any point, did you uh, feel like you uh, might lose control of your um, processes? No, nah. right, you wasn't any sort of. No, nah, uh, I was. You know, I was distressed. You know, right. I was I was freaked out a little bit, and I was you know you know, and I felt you know a lot of sadness. You know, I killed an animal. I loved mm. animals. You know, and uh, I mean, did you have to? Uh, was it in the road? No, no, it, it bounced into the median. Uh, you know, it got thrown back into the median, and it was you know laying in the grassy area, which was about as a peaceful peaceful place 
as it could possibly be. Mm-hmm. So wasn't much for me to do at that point except, you know, collect myself. Jesus. You know, yeah, that pulled would, over that, to the side there. Is that the thing where you just pull over and you're like, eh, and you're just sort of vibrating with, with apprehension? I mean, that's got to be just the most nerve-wracking thing ever. It was nerve-wracking. Yeah, wow. It was. Jesus. Yeah, especially, right. you know, and, and if you love animals, and I know you guys do, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's like, you know, the idea of you killing an animal, even accidentally, is just a, a, a total freak out. Oh, yeah, no, and you'll sit and you feel like, a, feel like a jerk about it, obviously. I mean, it's like, you know, and so the only reason I, I ask for sort of the details I think everybody in this part of the country thinks about it. It's like it's like with the, the logging truck thing, man. Oh God! Not this Monday, but last week when I was going to, to uh, uh, Beaverton to, to, to tape Outlook Portland, I was going to the studio, and I was late anyway. And it's like if I gotten stuck behind some jackass doing something or other, and so I'm already kind of you know. And Sarah and I've talked about this. You get a little. It's the morning you're late that everybody's moving slowly and everybody is stopping and everybody is taking way too long to merge, and you're back there kind of going, "Come on!" and you're trying to zip around. So I'm already late getting to Beaverton. I get on 26, and it's like right as you go into that the the, the 26 tunnel, right. you know, as you're getting, heading towards Sylvan. Right. And I'm zipping around, and I'm coming around some corner, and I'm trying to like make my way, and I come up behind. I mean, it was like it was like an exaggerated satiric depiction of a logging truck. I mean, it was like it was a logging truck the size of a skyscraper, and the logs they weren't like the normal trim sort of. Uh, uniform size logs. It was like they were tree beard logs. I mean, they were massive, with still with the bark and the moss on the side, so they looked very sort of wild and scary and jagged. And they looked just, just you. Sometimes you look at a log and you kind of go, "Well, oh, those are logs," but you forget like that's a tree. I mean, it's a tree in the back of the truck. And this is really all they'd done is just lop off the top where the, where the branches were, and they just stuck a bunch of them on the back of a truck. And I drove on. Here's the detail that I can't quite shake. So I'm driving by this logging truck, which is huge. It's got these massive tree trunks in it. So these, you know, the, whatever, the, the, you know, the, the tree, and it's got the bark and, the, and the, the mold, and I can see the dirt on it. And so they seem very real and heavy. And I'm driving by, and I'm looking at the chain, and I see that the chain is rusty. That's the thing that I couldn't. And at that point, I was like, F this. And I, I must have gone 85 miles an hour just like a mad person getting around the truck. So I'm like, F that. If I die from speeding, that's one thing. I'm not going to die uh, next to this logging truck. Uh, a similar incident happened to me. I am on the top deck, I'm sorry, the bottom deck of the Markham Bridge passing a logging truck. Okay, in the right-hand lane, because he's going slow in the next right-hand right. lane. And so I guess uh, I, I guess whatever it would have been, it would have been um, the lane that the logs would have toppled onto me had the chain gone. And you know, and exactly you, you, the centrifugal force against the trees, uh, you know, against the chain, and the right. chain is only as strong as its weakest link. Exactly. And you know, I, I can't get around this guy fast enough. And you know, uh, you just can't. And doesn't it seem like at this point? Speaking of logging trucks, because Sarah shares that fear as well mm, uh, about you know, and and you run into him probably once a week here. Doesn't it seem like we ought to be past using chains? Shouldn't they be using like a cable, like an actual steel cable that is braided cable, not a chain that has links that can break? Because it's always chain snapping. Exactly. And again, yeah. as you point out, I mean, it's such a cliche, but I mean, one link goes goodbye. Right. I mean, that's it. Uh, and that's you know, and especially those log bits downhill, they're just going to keep rolling and rolling. Oh, Downstairs, yeah. alone or in pairs, making a crushing you sound. <laughs> oh, there's no amount of carnage no. Uh, a, a, a logs on a freeway could cause. There's uh, just no limit to the amount. All right. Let's take this call, then we'll break. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey, Rick. How's it going? Howdy. Hey, uh, not to be morbid or anything, but I wiped that out a deer. That ship has sailed, sir. <laughs> I wiped out a deer with a TR-7 convertible. 
That's a, Triumph? That's a Triumph. Yes, yeah, yes, I was uh, wondering right. whether to save my my horrible questions to the end or go ahead. Uh, well, the the top was up when I hit the deer. Oh. And when I stopped, I didn't have a top. Wait, the so wait. Deer, I hit the deer center on the car. Right. Which wiped out the front end and pushed the radiator into the motor. And as the deer was flying over the car. I regret nothing. Sort of taking the top with it. That's that. Taking with it because the antlers, I look back and the deer is bounding away with top. Oh, really? So the deer, but so it survived somehow. Oh, yeah. Well, a Triumph is just aluminum, sheet metal, and plastic. All right. So the deer bounces off, and the yeah. antlers somehow catch the top of the convertible and tear it off, and then the deer is, like, running down the road trailing the Superman cape of your car's, can, of your car's yeah. soft top. Yeah. Jesus. Try not to think about what those antlers would have done if they'd been, like, three inches lower. Well, I'm six foot one, so my head oh. rubs the top of oh, that wow. damn car. Yeah, man, you almost got the Jane Mansfield got right a haircut. Yeah. He's got a haircut. Good God. Hey, and remember one thing about log trucks? That binder chain is cable on the other side of the chain. They use the chain that's connected to the cable. Right. So they can use the binders. But the binders and the chain are only good as its weakest link, which is a quarter-inch cotter pin. Thanks so much, sir. You have a good day now. You do. All right. Cotter, cotter pins are nothing more than a fancy bolt. Awesome. That's wonderful. We should take a break here. Back after this, Todd Tolst is in the newsroom today. Did you see this headline uh, from uh, the Oregonian that makes no sense? Tell me what you think. Does this sound like translated Japanese or something to you? Banner voted best retains beaver. Again, the headline. Banner voted best retains beaver. Banner voted best. Retains beaver. That is. Whiskey, Alpha, Tango. All right. Back after this, the Rick Emerson radio program. Oh, anyway. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-3970. By the way, thank you to everybody who uh, listened to CBS Radio Theater last night, uh, which aired 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., which was fantastic and creepy. Uh, and so we had uh, two episodes. We uh, debuted a brand-new series last night, Kimmy Waters. Uh, last night's episode was Kimmy Waters and the Songbirds of Sing Sing, starring Sarah Moon, uh, which was uh, exceptional, sort of a detective tomorrow thriller. And then we had episode three, of AZ, which uh, takes place right here in Portland, Oregon, after the zombie apocalypse, which was great and just goddamn creepy. Just so unbelievably creepy, uh, starring, uh, among other folks, Lisa Wood from Rock 101 KUFO. And really, which, by the way, had one of the most... I mean, just, it's so... I mean, there's a reason we put a warning on it last night, which we haven't for any of the others. Uh, starting last night, we put a whole... Uh, due to disturbing subject matter warning, because I didn't, you know, it's not like there's any... It's not like there's any like zombie sex scenes or anything happening, but I mean, I really did want people to kind of know what they were in for. So, I mean, it was it was quite wonderful. And if the podcast isn't up now, which it might not be, it'll be up uh, at some point during today's program, probably. Still to come today, we have our Happy Valentine's Day or not breakup story. Uh, we have uh, today's bailout winner. We got the Inquirer, and then I have two. Two, count them, two beaver stories uh, from Sarah X. Dillon. And uh, I don't even know where to, I mean, I'll just go. Well, you I, found one of them, and I found the other one. I'll, yeah, I'll read this one because I kind of teased it on the other side of the break. And then I'll read the one you gave me. And by the way, both of these stories, it's like the gold is in the headline here. This one is from the Oregonian. And this just doesn't even make any sense. 
Banner voted best retains Beaver. Maybe if I read it backward. Beaver retains best voted Banner. Banner best, Beaver retains voted. Now you're on to something. <laughs> retains best voted Beaver Banner. Beaver Banner is kind of a funny word. I'm going to start a band called Beaver Banner, and it's going to have, like, less Claypool or something. you got to love that alliteration. Uh, I guess, so I guess this is because they're de they're designing or they're trying to redesign the state flag or something. Yeah. And I guess it's, I, I think what they're trying to say here is that the flag submission, the submission for new flag design that was voted, voted the best retains, kept, yes. Yeah, kept the beaver, beaver, which, is there a beaver on the Oregon state flag yes. now? yes. Does it make me a bad Oregonian that I couldn't? Sarah, what does the Oregon State flag look like? It has a beaver on it. And we are the well beaver done. state. This is the beaver state. We are, I but, I mean, but I mean, is it, what does the flag look like now? Please describe it. What is the current Oregon flag? I'll pass. See, no one really knows. Is it like green? <laughs> it should be. You're just saying that because it's Oregon. Um, so here, the one they've designed, it, it looks, it sort of looks like the German flag. But then there's a star, sort of like the Chinese flag, and then there's a huge beaver. It's, it, it looks retarded. Look look at that right there. You don't want other states to see that. You can see there's the Oregonian, by the way. Actually, this looks more like the flag of Thailand, except for the beaver and the doesn't star. It, I mean, but doesn't it look like the flag of some country where the beaver is hailed as a spirit god that will take you to your ancestors? <laughs> and here we believe that... Are you serious? That's what I'm saying. That's that's what the Oregonian picked is like the, the best. You can see this, by the way, if you go to the... Uh, Oregonians website, the OregonLive.com website. Isn't wow. that silly? Doesn't that look like a? Here's what that looks like. That looks like a flag that somebody would have as the little like as the little avatar next to their name at a message board they frequent a lot, where they talk about like uh, where, where they talk about like their guild or something. Um, it doesn't even really look like a beaver. It looks like a like a rat with a really big tail. Well, I think it's what a beaver is, to be fair. Mm. Uh, in any event. So I guess, so there you go. It's just second story, and then we'll move on to the rest of the news. We'll get there, your phone there's calls. one more thing. This is We have the only state flag that displays different images on each side. Really? This is the front of it, the state of Oregon flag. And on like the other side is your little beaver are friend. You, are you my little beaver friend? Yes. Sarah, come look at my little beaver friend. <laughs> right. It's a heart-shaped heart seal. There's a Conestoga wagon in the middle of it. It says state of Oregon on the top of it, the year 1859 on the bottom of it. What does it say right here? The Union? All right. It says the Union it's in the middle of it. Yellow and blue. Yeah, or yeah, yeah navy blue. and uh, and gold. If you if you wish, there there are some ships on this. A rising sun. Uh, there are some forest. Uh, it's like bad there. Photoshop art. Uh, this current flag. <laughs> it's you like know. how many little tiny images can we cram into one? You didn't area? even see the other side, Sarah. Look at the other side of the Oregon flag. Now the other side, of course, is just a a, a, a yellow beaver on a blue background. It's a beaver on a branch, is what it is. That's just foolish. Other states are never going to take it seriously. That makes us look silly. Some sort of a water paddling animal on our flag. By the way, the, the, the you know the the sort of uh, primary side to the or the current Oregon flag, which is all that stuff. You know what that looks like? That looks like one of those movie posters where they can't quite figure out what to do. So it's just a bunch of big floating heads. You know, <laughs> Qui Gon's head, Obi Wan's head, Darth Vader's head, exploding thing, lightsaber, camera flare on a poster that's drawn by hand. I mean, just a whole bunch of garbage going on at once. That's what our flag looks like. All right. Well, in any event, I'm just going to read this one other thing, and then we'll uh, get some calls. Uh, Todd Tulsa's here giving us the news in his golden tones. Thanks. I swear to God, this is a real story. This is from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, truly a cosmopolitan news source. I'm going to do this backward. I'm going to read the story, then the headline, which is real. This is from uh, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette by Jim McKinnon, whose parents are very proud of him. Although no charges have been filed, police shut down a 
This is not the joke. Police shut down a a Beaver County massage parlor. Where'd you where'd you get that massage? Beaver County. Really? Yes. <laughs> because of alleged prostitution activity, the Golden Spa Massage Parlor, operated by Twin Turtles Incorporated. I don't know. This story is insane. Twin Turtles? Twin Turtles Incorporated running the Golden Spa Massage Parlor right there in Beaver County. Doesn't this sound like a children's book that is somehow turned pornographic? Welcome to Twin Turtles Incorporated. It's the Golden Spa Massage Parlor right here in Beaver County. Had no business license or occupancy, I guess that would cause difficulties, had no business license or occupancy permit to be open in Homewood, Beaver County. I guess Homewood is a place inside Beaver County. There is no home like Beaver County. State police investigators and agents of the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency yesterday gathered evidence of alleged prostitution. The agency's $10,000 and they detained two Asian women who had been working there. The women were released. So just, just to clarify this once more. A Beaver County massage parlor has been shut down because of alleged prostitution. And now the headline, ladies and gentlemen, from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, the author, Jim McKinnon, as located by Sarah Dillon. Keep in mind, this massage parlor has been closed because of alleged uh, prostitution taking place there. Yeah. The headline reads, Police rub out Beaver County massage parlor. <laughs> No, it doesn't say that. Look at that right there. The Pittsburgh Post-Gazette doesn't lie, Todd Tulsus. Police rub out Beaver County Massage Parlor. That's what I'm saying. All right, there you go. Somewhere not kidding. A, uh, you ain't kidding. Somewhere there's an episode of Leisure Suit Larry hey, 5. How about us one bunch? <sighs> All right. Uh, we'll get calls here in a moment. This, however, is Todd Tulsus at the news desk. Snow fell on the Oregon coast this morning. As of 9 a.m., snowfall reported in Siletz, Tillamook, Manzanita, Rockway Beach, Depot Bay, and Nittarts. Snow along and the where? Oregon coast. Nittarts. Did I say Nittarts? Nittarts? I, I couldn't really tell you what you said, actually. I think Nittarts is like a candy you get at the, it was just the plaid pantry across the street. <laughs> it's a candy for special people. <laughs> snow along the Oregon coast expected to turn to rain today as temperatures expected to reach about 40 degrees. All right, then. Meanwhile, Good Samaritans chased down a man who struck a blind pedestrian yesterday in broad daylight on Sandy Boulevard. Portland police charged Jack Alvord with reckless driving and felony hit and run. Norman Larkin was struck while he was walking on the sidewalk near 57th and Sandy at 3.30 in the afternoon. He was pinned against a telephone pole at the intersection southeast corner Jesus. while using his white cane <laughs> while he was hit. Walking on the sidewalk. This isn't even a, uh, a, a, a pedestrian walkway incident. He's on the sidewalk when this guy hit him. Witnesses chased the driver and stopped him near the corner of Northeast 62nd and Sacramento Street where he was arrested. By Portland police. So I just, this is, there's so many layers of this story. First of all, if I was, look, I'm not saying it's the blind guy's fault. It clearly isn't. But if I were a blind guy, I'd be staying, I wouldn't go near any of those streets. I would be staying away from streets like Sandy and Burnside, like period. Because you are essentially, even more so than you typically do when you drive, you are putting your life in the hands of idiots. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> really, I mean, you are, the only thing that is between you and like, oh, I don't know, being pinned against a telephone pole is the fact that other drivers are responsible and not drunk. Not that this guy was, but I'm saying, you know, so I would never do that. Also, everybody else chased the guy. Yes. So that means there was actually a high-speed chase. 
Yeah. That's wonderful. Yes. I never get to see things like that. They always happen in the neighborhood where in I'm Los not. Angeles. Exactly. You know, where there are 20 news helicopters in the air, of course. So he was caught? The sky was? Yes. 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 Oh, I hope they beat his ass. Oh, my goodness. And, right. But shouldn't you have a, uh, a, a, a sense of security while walking on the sidewalk? Shouldn't that be built into our... Are civil rights that you should be safe while walking on the sidewalk? I suppose, although I think it was, uh, I was talking to somebody the other day about that. Didn't somebody drive into the everyday music on Burnside the other day? The, you know, the one by the Crystal Ballroom? Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I think somebody told me that a car drove into, like, I don't think it like, went all the way in the store, like Blues Brothers style, but I think hit part of that everyday music that's on 14th and Burnside. And I actually, my response was, I'm surprised that didn't happen more often. No, the corner's scary. That's where that bicyclist was killed. Exactly. Yes. yes. And, and there's the, nowhere to go. And the sidewalk there is barely, what, 12 inches wide, mm. and it's nothing but glass in the front of the store. So, I mean, let's say, and I don't know the circumstance, but let's say, for example, someone were to walk in front of your car, or like a slow-moving deer, and you're Todd, you you can't, <laughs> you know, you can't go to the left because it's oncoming traffic and there's the divider for much of it. You have to right. turn to the right, and the sidewalk, as you said, is like three inches high, and the That's store right. is right there. That's right. I'm I'm surprised that businesses on Burnside don't get hit by cars all the time just because of the way that road is designed. Yeah. That, that really is one of those. That's got to be, I wouldn't even, I don't know, but it's got to be one of the oldest roads in Portland because it's so poorly built. Well, there's yes. that blind corner, too, like when you're going, um, turning back onto Burnside, and plus half the time the Crystal's having a show and there's a big van or bus parked out front. Exactly. So it's dangerous for bicyclists, too, because it's yeah. blocking the way, and then people are, you know. There are intersections in Portland. Are they, there are places like this that you always forget how bad they are, even though you've lived here for like 10 years. You forget how bad the intersection is until you're there. And then you curse yourself silently for for you know for getting to like that place. Like in southeast, that intersection where uh, Sandy and Burnside meet. That's exactly I get the one I was at thinking that light of. Every damn time. Now do you now let me ask you this? At the risk of making everybody who's out there on the road right now feel even more paranoid while we're safe in the studio, more or less. Do you do this when you are heading? Uh, what I guess it'd be um, uh, west. You're heading west on. Sandy. Sandy, yeah. And you get to that intersection where it's like if you go, I guess, sort of straightish, you go down past Union Jackson onto Burnside, mm-hmm. or you can go left and it takes you over to like by, you know, like you're heading toward Madison and like whatever. Uh, you're you're heading can toward take like a, a right around that, that rock climbing gym. But do you do that thing where like you, when you're kind of banking left, you for a minute can't figure out what lane you're supposed to be oh, in? Oh, yeah. All no, the it's time. Scary. It gets completely confusing, and then plus other cars don't know what they're doing, so everyone's drifting into each other's lane. And you're just sort of hoping. Like and then half the time on Burnside, you're allowed to park on one side of it, you know, between the hours of like three and six, so you'll be going down a lane, and there'll be a car parked there. Every time. If I'm coming home from like the Laurelhurst Theater or something, and I'm going uh, up to 39th, every single time I'm driving, and at the last moment I realize that there's a huge, there's like an Escalade parked in, like in a lane, because I guess you can do it after 6 p.m. or something. Right. Which is ridiculous. I'll tell you what, you make me mayor of the city, that's going to stop like first day. <laughs> that is going to Two things the first day. Uh, we get rid of those idiotic red hoods on parking meters downtown, and you're not going to be able to park your stupid car on Burnside. You have to put it in the driveway. Listen, I heard you talking about your impending run for mayor uh, yes. before I, uh, while I was driving in today on the drinking and whoring party. Yes. Is that, is, isn't that what, sort of what got the, the mayor already in, in trouble in the first place? That's that You said that. I didn't say that. No, I, that's just what I'm saying. I'm erring on the side of caution. If he retains his uh, mayoral seat, he's a man of power. He could crush you. Well, he's just so damn dreamy. And plus, yeah, and plus he's hot. So we're trying to stay on his good side. <laughs> he's dreamy. Uh, he really is. Have you taken a good look at him? I know he wants nothing to do with me, but that, you know, that's, good looking I, fella. I'm just saying. I mean, you know, who's to say? Uh, no, and the hookers and blow platform is already taken. So boozing and whoring is, you know, sort of the best I could do. I heard it. Uh, we'll do one more and we'll take a break. Okay. And other assault news. An off-duty Marion County Sheriff's deputy has been arrested for firing her gun inside her house. McMinnville, Oregon, and Stelflug fired a handgun, which she and her husband were in an argument, while she and her husband were in an argument in their McMinnville home. 
During the argument, uh, the deputy locked herself in a bathroom and several minutes later fired the gun. It was originally reported somebody had suffered a self-inflicted gunshot wound, but when authorities arrived on the scene, nobody was hurt. (laughs) Happy ending. All right. Uh, right. Somebody has a quick call here. We'll break. On the other side, we've got... uh, Have you seen this video that we've been talking about, Todd? Uh, Which one is this? Uh... The the video rodeo. Uh, we've been watching this uh, horrible video recently. We have listeners and whoever. Is it a man in a glass? No. It, we, it's a contest. See, people can make it all the way through without averting their eyes. Oh, is this the one where everybody was, uh, where that fellow was uh, calling up earlier today and yes. said his whole family watched it and everybody was blown? Somebody shot. vomited. Yes. No, but I made it through the whole thing. You could make it through the whole thing, I think Todd. you could. <laughs> Do I have to go through this? Wouldn't you guys rather see the front of my car instead with all the deer hair stuck into the little? Uh... We got two hours. We can do both. Okay. All right. Let's just take this call. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Good day, Rick Emerson. Hello, sir. KCMD Portland. Thank you. I just wanted to comment briefly about uh, do people have less money and are they spending less money and and the whatnot and the such? Yes. And, uh, yeah, so I have less money now during the economic crisis, as you see on the television. And uh, my spending habits include going to um, an electronic store every Tuesday when the new uh, CDs and DVDs come out and and buying quite a few... uh, probably unnecessary purchases there. So I've cut way back. And uh, as a, a solution to that, I went to, well, I, I wanted to buy a movie on Friday for the weekend. I went to that store, and um, it was like $20. So uh, I actually went on into a CD game exchange and found the same movie for 8 and thought that that was acceptable. So it, it is the house of values, sir. It is. And I told the girl, I said, uh, Rick sent me, and she said, oh, Rick, I don't know who that is. <laughs> So I told her, I said, Rick Emerson, you're a proud sponsor of the Rick Emerson program. And she said, oh, okay. So there you have it. Whatever you say, friend. Next. Excellent. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. All right, there you go. All right. Well, on that note, take a break here. Hello, Todd (laughs) Poltis. Hello, Rick Emerson. Hello, Sarah X. Dillon. Hello, I can't wait to go look at your car right now. Okay. I'm kind of grossed up. Hey, we're going to go look at the smashed up front of Todd Poltis' car, which is all, uh, you know, it's kind of like a deer in headlights thing, but more of like a deer in headlight thing. Back after this. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Here's another entry from Britney Spears' stolen diary, according to the National Enquirer. This is where she's talking to herself like Bridget Jones, where she's sort of dropping words out of the sentence. We'll be together with Kevin again, no matter what, all caps, written in red. Ugh. All right. Uh, let's see, what else do we have here? America is waiting on every syllable of no. this diary. With bated breath. Here's, uh-huh. here's the thing about, about this article, though. Uh, is it fantastic because it just sort of... Because it just confirms everything you already suspected, but also they say it with enough specificity that you suspect the Inquirer's got a copy. And then it's just going to come out at some point. By the way, there's also a great... I know that we're all kind of over Sarah Palin, but it always feels good to put the boot in uh, on somebody after the fact. So, I mean, really, you know what I mean? It's like, it just... It, look, there's something to be said for... Uh, there's something to be said for stomping on the... Uh, for stomping on the, on the dirt, as they say. Kicking someone while they're down. Did you ever hear that Elvis Costello song, um, Tramp the Dirt Down? It's a brilliant... It's on the album Spike. 
And because he was, of course, there, you know, he was he lived in uh, you know Britain under Margaret Thatcher, who was uh, disliked by many people because they felt that she was, you know, tyrannical and so forth. But Elvis Costello has the best. And I'm not like the world's biggest Elvis Costello fan. He has the best song about Margaret Thatcher, maybe the best song ever written about a, about a then living. Or I guess is she dead, dead or alive? Margaret Thatcher. I think she's dead. Reagan's dead. You don't. Do you assume they're the same person? They're pals. Sort of like it's like Leatherface with one mask, Leatherface with another mask. <laughs> That's right. Two-Face. Well, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Well, I just don't know. It's like Tommy Lee Jones and Two-Face. I know. wish to have crumpets. <laughs> it's been time for Bonzo. Give me some tea. Uh, well, Margaret Thatcher was... She, I don't know whether she's dead now or not. She was certainly alive then. Elvis Costello just wrote the most brutal song ever about a living politician. It was called Tramp the Dirt Down, and it was literally about dancing on her grave. It was about dancing, and it was a whole, and it was, and the whole song is about how he's going to live a clean, healthy, virtuous life for the sole purpose of outliving Margaret Thatcher so he can then dance on her grave. It's just like the best thing ever. So I'm just going to read real quickly here. This is from the Inquirer's about Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin at war with baby daddy's family, uh, says the Inquirer. Governor Sarah Palin is embroiled in an all-out war with her new grandson's relatives, blasting them as white trash and banning them from seeing Bristol Palin's baby son trip. Uh, that's the shocking report from Wasilla, Alaska, blah, 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 blah. But here's the only reason worth, uh, this is worth reading. Here's the thing you want to read the Sarah Palin article about. They are talking, so you know what's her name? Uh, is it Sherry? That's Levi's mom, the woman that got busted for oh, meth for yes, dope. Yeah. Yes. So there's like the there's like the baby daddy guy, the, the father. His mom gets busted for drugs. So they're interviewing her sister. So this is Levi Bristol guys, like his aunt. This is her MySpace message uh, that she is saying that she posted about how Sarah Palin won't let them see the baby. This is now a uh, I'm quoting now. This is her MySpace message about how Sarah Palin won't let them see the baby. Quote, and it's just all the misspellings. Levi is in a bit of a haze right now. That is haze, H H A Y E S. Oh. Levi is a bit of a haze, H A Y E S. I'm not allowed, A L O U D, to see my nephew, and my mom isn't either. Now, Sarah, let me ask you this. Let's suppose you were a hick. Let's suppose further that you were unbelievably uneducated. Okay. How would you spell nephew? N E F F E W. You are. See, the thing is, you're giving her so much more credit. Like, here's a here's a hint. Uh, this uh, the the sister of the Palin babies. Uh, you know, mom. The, she only uses four letters. She spells nephew with four letters. N e f u. Yes. And then she does it again. We aren't a r n t Palins. She really likes those four letter words. So there space four space. We are white trash. Mom and I are really upset. I hope Levi lets us see our nephew and her grandbaby again, A-G-I-N. Who wrote this? Uh, that is the sister of the the mom that got busted for drugs. Okay, the sister of Levi's mom, right? Yeah, his, exactly. His aunt. Yeah, okay. yeah. So there you go. And she's, a, by the way, and she looks exactly like how you would expect her to look. Is there a picture of her trailer in that uh, paper? <laughs> no, no, but I mean, it's just, it's just, I, it, they are just the gift that continues to give. And then one more thing here, and then we'll do the video rodeo guy. You can always tell when there's space to fill in the Inquirer because they fall back on the Inquirer when you look at it, even in terms, actually, when you look at it like in, in, in dimension and the kind of paper it's printed on, you realize that the Inquirer is in many ways a sister publication to Parade magazine. 
And Parade Magazine, which uh, comes, I guess, in the Sunday Oregonian. Right, in every Sunday paper. Most Sunday paper. Has Marilyn Voss Savant and, like, the oh, totally yeah. uninteresting, toothless gossip column. Howard Huge. <laughs> well done, <laughs> Howard Huge. James Brady. Boy, there's a... No, yeah. not you're thinking of somebody else. James oh, yeah. Brady is the White House press secretary who no, got shot in the head. Oh, he's the guy who writes the gossip article in the back of Parade. Isn't James Brady the guy that the Brady Bill was named for? Yeah, it is. Where you, you know, and you, like his wife was out there putting him on all the Sunday talk shows with a Jim Brady. How did it feel to be shot in the head? And he kind of goes, ah, and then that's it. And then they talk about assault rifles. It's like, who writes the articles in the back of Parade? It's like in step with. You know, James, oh, like and then it's like a profile, but it's always Robin Williams or Denzel Washington. That's the thing. In the back of the Parade magazine, it is always those two. And then the gossip column, the questions to the gossip column are always like completely ridiculous, too. It's always, I am a big fan of actor and musician Jared Leto. Can you tell me what sort of salads he prefers? You know, and then they reveal it. It's like, but, but whenever the Inquirer doesn't have a lot of gossip, they just rever- I think they must just have one shared pile of news that they use. And so they Maybe fall back. Ours. We explain where our news. You're really, our you're, news went. Sarah's really uh, having trouble getting I past this. I worked so hard. I've, I've been collecting all those stories for the past two months, uh-huh. like ever since Tim's been gone. So I've, there's so many good ones in there that are now gone that I'll never be able to find. Again. It's like having uh, your master's thesis crash and delete itself mm-hmm. uh, off of PC right before it's due to be turned in. That's there's exactly what it's like. So many hilarious ones. We had. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to dwell because we're not getting him back. So I've got to let it go. There's so many good watches in there too. But just you should get it out. Just just get it out here. There were watches. There were like penis watches. There was a, a couple teacher watches. A corpse watch. Uh, there, were, yeah, there was a corpse watch. Geek watch. Darwin watch. There was a Darwin watch. There was the girl who ate all of her ecstasy pills at one time because she was afraid the drug sniffing dogs would detect them. <laughs> oh, you could probably find that. But there one weren't again. any drug de- drug sniffing dogs. She assumed that there might be, so she shoved her face full of ecstasy and died. Sarah, I think you owe it to yourself to go to Google News and find that story now, and we'll do it. We'll, you know what it is? We will read that story as no story has been read before, and we will do it, Sarah. As a tribute to the other stories, who will not... Who have fallen. P.S. Margaret Thatcher's still alive. Really? Mm-hmm. You sure about that? Mm-hmm. You sure? All right. Well, in any event. But just... So this is such an uninteresting finale to this whole thing. But I think there must be a shared pile of news between the Inquirer and the parade. Because whenever they don't have gossip, they fall back on... Parkinson's battle helps Michael J. Fox learn to love role of husband and dad. Where it's like you can hear the behind-the-music guy reading it to you. Or you know, At least it's not Kirstie Alley. While Parkinson's disease forced him to give up his acting career, Michael J. Fox reveals it led him to embrace the two greatest roles of his life, those of husband and father. Coming up. You know, uh, so there you go. <laughs> that is your best Casey Kasem impression oh, of do, the but day. It, but it's not. It's the behind-the-music guy, which is also sort of Ron Howard at the end of Arrested Development. <laughs> so I was doing, I was unspooling this whole uh, ad hoc behind-the-music narration. We were at the Coraline premiere because Panic got a, a text message that Blink-182 is getting back together. And and I thought Blink-182 was just getting back together because all of their side projects were failing. Uh, one might even say they were flaming disasters. But it, tur- it turns out that it's because I should have figured this out. It's because of that plane crash where Travis Barker got all burnt up. So I was doing the whole, like, you know, but after the brush with mortality convinced them that they still had more art to offer the world, these three musical companions decided to let the past be the past and do what they do best, creating rock and roll. Now, with a renewed sense of vitality and spirit, Blink-182 enters the studio, determined to put all of their rivalries in the rearview mirror and create music that they love. That just seems kind of sad at this point. They should just stay broken up. Yes. Yes, they should. I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of their... God, I've never sound like more of a pretentious ass. Of their early stuff? stuff. Were you a fan of their demo? I loved loved Cheshire Cat. That's one of my favorite albums, and 
I'm actually going to try and pretend that it's a request on the punk show at some time just so I can play it. Excellent. <laughs> and then I won't lose my cred. Hey, Richie, can you bring in, uh, can you bring in uh, Sean, uh, listener Sean, who's going to take part in Video Rodeo? All right, thank you. It's 503 In the meantime, Todd Tulsis, will you favor us with a news story? I will, indeed. The Grammy Awards last night in Los Angeles, Lil Wayne and Robert Plant and Alison Krauss were among the early winners Sunday night as the Recording Academy of Arts and Sciences doled out the bulk of some 110 Grammy Awards. Lil Wayne was the nomination's leader with eight, uh, but the prolific rapper couldn't go home with eight trophies. He was competing against himself in two other categories. Uh, Robert Plant and Alison Krauss, also nominated for Album of the Year for their collaboration Raising Sand, took home an award for country collaborations with vocals and one for contemporary folk Americana album. In fact, indeed. Sarah, were you joking actually before the program about, about it just being a, like a bunch of little Wayne stuff? Yeah. And then in fact it actually Is it really? was. I, hadn't, I didn't read the story. I just put it out. Have yeah, I played you his new single? I think, were you, isn't that you and Patrick playing? I've got it. It's the worst thing you've ever heard in your life. Yeah. My friend Jessica's obsessed with Lil Wayne. She actually yeah. took off two days from work and drove to Seattle to go. Really? Oh, this will cure that. Uh, I got, and this is not like a gag or a joke or whatever, I've got in my hands, uh, from Universal Motown Records, uh, the new Lil uh, Wayne uh, single here, which is just, it's so unbelievably awful. It's, the man manages to ruin, look, it's not like I'm some, you know, like, I'm not one of those, you can't spell crap with that rap. Like, I'm not one of those, I, I'm not a hater. I'm just saying, there's about four different genres that he manages uh, to destroy and defile all at once. It really is almost a miracle of song but is construction. is it as bad as what I was playing for you earlier today? Well, that's different. We should do the two back-to-back later. Okay, we can't forget, though. No. Okay. you got to remember, put it, put it on the top of the news pile. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I'm trying to revisit the memory so you'll, you know, so you'll get past it. Sarah, joking is the first step toward accepting. I don't like you. Okay, apparently, cold, icy looks are the second step toward accepting. And I can't find the story. Hello, listener. Sean, how are you? Uh, well, on the classic one... Oh, I don't know. If her, yes. Hello. Oh, you're good. On the classic uh, Rick Emerson 1 to 10 scale, it's probably about a 7.5 going down to a 4. Is that, is that an anticipatory rating based upon this video you're about to watch? Yes. Excellent. Now, have you? we may have asked you this before, but have you seen the video? I have not seen the video. Do you know anything about the actual content of the video? Not so much how bad it is, but just do you know what happens in this video to any degree? No. All right. Uh, you promise? Yes, I promise. Okay. All right. Um, all right. First of all, you're not allowed to vomit in the studio. Uh, you, 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 there's no vomiting a lot. Richie tried to vomit. We made him leave. Uh, so, and the, the, that can back there is not for uh, it's not for bodily fluids of any kind. So, if you feel like you're gonna hork, uh, you got to take off. All right. So here's the thing. The video Sarah says is about 2:20, something like that. If you can make it all the way through, uh, we'll give you uh, something uh, shiny. Uh, you can't look away at all. If, you have to watch the entire thing. Are you a NASCAR fan, I say, knowing the answer? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. Well, we'll find something else for you then. Uh, so we'll have something from the AM970 prize closet if you can make it all the way through this video. So, Sean, are you ready? Yes, I am ready. All right, sir. So uh, we're going uh, to play this, and we will uh, gauge his reactions all the way through. But if you can make it to the end, uh, you will be the winner of something random and probably not all that exciting. All right, so uh, do me a favor. Uh, will you, Todd, I, you should avert your eyes. You don't want to see this. All right, you should. Uh, all right, there you go. All right, now is the screen angled so you can see? Yes, I can see. All right, and the computer's potted down. I, Although I think there's just a vague rustling sound no, that you hear. No, there's nothing. And then a dripping. Um, all right, so we are now going to be. And by the way, if you would like to watch along at home, picture pages style, you can go to glassass.com. That is the website. Not safe for work. Don't call me. Very, very much not safe. Seriously, the IT guy comes and the you know and they expel you onto the sidewalk. That is uh, your problem, friend, not mine. Glassass.com, just like it sounds. One word: G L A S S A S S. Glassass.com. All right, listener Sean, 
Are you prepared? Yes, I am. All right. Uh, Does he get to see the trailer before he watches the whole thing, or do we just just roll the whole thing out? Dude, let me tell you right now. If this is a trailer for something, that's I mean, look, because well, here's the thing. Remember, you, we all remember Two Girls, One Cop, right? Do you know that Two Girls, did you, did you ever hear this? This is the resolution of that whole thing. Do you know that Two Girls, One Cup is actually the trailer to a full-length uh, niche porn film, let's say? Oh. A very specialized kind of adult experience. Two Girls, One Cup, it turns out, is in fact a trailer to like a full 75-minute uh, fetish film. So you think on that next time you're trying to eat. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it's time for another exciting installment of Video Rodeo. Todd, click play. Here we go. Sean, you cannot avert your eyes. You must watch the entire time. Todd, don't watch it. You should look away. Don't. No, no, no. Don't look at the light. <laughs> Marion, close your eyes. All right. Sean is watching, hand over his mouth. I, by the way, have. Uh, I, by the way, have moved over to uh, over to the other side of the studio where I can't even accidentally see it. All right. He's Sean doing pretty good so far. No, no, no. Sean may be broken inside. Oh my. Yeah, you didn't see that coming. Yeah, please not to explain whatever Bert, you're seeing you the screen. You still haven't seen it, have you? No. Oh. No, because why? I know exactly why he said that because there's this one part toward the beginning that things start to go horribly wrong. Is it like a one? Is it like one time when he was in band camp? Except band camp is a factory where they make mason jars. All right. Yes, it's exactly like that. Actually. Hand over his mouth. Oh man, he's still looking. <laughs> he's still looking. Eyes I'm not averted. Fixed on the screen, they are. I don't see why anyone would do this to themselves. I, I have to say this is sort of disappointing. I was kind of hoping that you'd be crying by now. All right. <laughs> He's laughing on the outside, but... See, because to me, when I was watching, I could just convince myself that it was fake, even though it's not. No, see, that's the thing. There's no way this is fake. No, there's no way. There's, there's no fake in that. No. Yes, yeah. I, am, I am crying on the inside. All right. Uh, about how far would you say you are through the video, Sean? Uh, it's about halfway through. All right. We should mention that Sean is wearing an official Green Lantern T-shirt. Maybe it's the powers of the Green Lantern shirt that are keeping his soul from being destroyed by yes. this. Yeah. All right. And uh, the Guardians of the Universe are protecting me. Shiny. <laughs> Voice number three. Uh, all right. Well, I can see that this is going to go nowhere. Well, this is... no. Don't take this the wrong way, Sean. This is really disappointing. I'd say that this entire thing is one big letdown. <laughs> Well, maybe this means that we should move on from the video now. I don't think that's true. I think we can find somebody else. Look, that guy called the show earlier today, and his mother-in-law vomited. We need to find somebody. I say it's not over until we, we make somebody vomit. Because maybe he doesn't have a fear of. Like, do we don't want to? Spe- yeah, we don't want to specify. Or maybe he's just has. Maybe he just has no soul. Maybe inside of Sean is not sort of uh, you know blood and goodness, Sarah, like within you. Maybe inside of Sean, it's just uh, sawdust and termites. Mm. All right. Well, okay. Well, no, how am I good? I, I end up being able to make it through the whole thing too. Uh, yeah, but at least but you recognized how awful it was. I think Sean maybe. Sean, has anybody ever uh, diagnosed you as being sociopathic? Pretty close. Okay. All right. Well, I think. <laughs> but we... he's nervously picking at his chin over here too. Don't you pick know? it yourself. Yeah, he's not watching it comfortably. <laughs> no, if you, no. Pick would... it yourself. That'll turn into cancer. You don't want that. All right. This is not like he's watching a travelogue. Of Seriously, it, no, it's like you're waiting. For, it, it's like you're waiting for an instructional video for your, uh, for like a weed eater or something to load. I just, think, I think the video has been completed. Is it done? Is it over? I think it's there, done. There's still probably a few seconds. It's just an ad now. It's end. just a. a yeah. Thing. I can't even imagine what it would be an ad for. Please don't tell me. Yeah, no, it's over. It's All over. Right. Well, would you minimize the window, please, Sean? All oh. right, just uh, you don't have to close it. Just minimize it so we can inflict it on somebody later. Right. Well, that was an all that was an altogether unsatisfying uh, thing that just happened here. Oh, Which, I don't think it I do feel a little broken inside now. Though, nah, after see, you know, you're just trying to make you me feel, feel better by saying that. You're just. <laughs> so you wanted him to be traumatized by it? I'm not traumatized as such, but I'm just saying it was a totally non-plus <laughs> reaction you had there. 
All right. Well, in any event, what can you do? All right. Well, congratulations, I guess, if that is the word. Congratulations for apparently being uh, so yes, just so un- unbelievably damaged uh, already that you cannot be harmed by anything else, no matter how reprehensible it might be. So, uh, you know, good for you. At least some of, at least some of us have, uh, have watched it now. No, that is exactly. That, I'm not going to be watching it. And I, you know what? Call me a sissy. Call me whatever you want. Not for me. No, thank you. <laughs> All right, Sean. Congratulations, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you for listening. Uh, Richie will uh, will uh, find something amusing uh, for you from the pile of stuff. All right. Ah, just uh, <laughs> I just don't know about this world anymore. Bye. All right, that was listener Sean. Can I ask you something? I'm so unsatisfied now. I, oh, I, I don't know, put it on him. At least he tried to watch it. You haven't tried. No, I'm not going to. That's done. He didn't try to watch it. He yes, did he watch did. it. And I won't be trying. That's a thing I don't need in my head. Where do we come up with this stuff? Are you asking, like, how did I discover it or why does it yeah, exist? Yeah, no, how did you discover it? I want to know what warped person brought it to your attention. Uh, his name is Aaron. Uh, no, 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 I should take that back, actually. It wasn't Aaron. It was my friend Siegfried. Uh, and Siegfried has what we might call... A bleak sense of humor, uh, somewhat dark sensibility. It takes a whole lot to, to freak him out. I mean, he's the guy. We were th- last week. There was this story uh, where they're going to be launching a series of colognes based on Star Trek, and that's that's actually true. CBS is going to be doing it. No, no, no. CBS. This is absolutely true. CBS is going to be launching a series of colognes. One is called Tiberius. One is called. I forget, but Dave Schmidt, he knew that it was a reference to the Klingon mating cycle, I think. It's like, muck, knock, knock, or something. Muck, knock, or something. I think it was Schmicky that knew that. And then the other speaks Klingon? Uh, but it wasn't. Was it Dave Schmicky that knew that it was a uh-huh. reference to the Klingon mating cycle? Yeah. Or the Vulcan mating cycle, Blood rather? Every seven years. Yeah, and he's like, no, 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 Pomfar, that's a reference to the Vulcan mating cycle, and it happens every seven years. But he does it with that weird sort of Rodney Dangerfield voice that he's got. Um, anyway, but then the other one's called Red Shirt, you know, so that's kind of funny. But Siegfried sends me this. He's like, hey, dude, they're going to be making Star Trek cologne. And then he then he brainstorms in the email several other television colognes they could have. Yeah. And the one that sticks with me is one that sticks with me is just one that smells like Bob Crane's fingers. <laughs> See? And that has nothing to do with Hogan's Heroes. And by the way, well, it depends on how you define hero, Todd. Um, but that, by the way, that's the guy who said, hey, here's this video that was so horrible I couldn't watch it. The guy who wants a cologne that smells like Bob Crane's fingers found that video too much. So, and then, but, but the thing is, it was like, it was a weird sort of uh, critical mass thing where he sent it to me, but then literally within like a day, about a hundred people sent it to me. So, just like the, the kid on the nitrous oxide. Exactly. The dental kid. Yeah, exactly. All right. Here's Todd Tolsis at the news desk. The Obama administration officials are turning up the heat on Congress to pass that huge stimulus package you've been hearing about. Trying to help our rough economy. Meanwhile, the president is off to Elkhart, Indiana today, where unemployment hovers at over 15%. In Orlando, Florida, a man who tried to rob a convenience store and made off with a couple of bottles of beer didn't make it very far. Sheriff's deputies found him sitting on a bench outside the store with the booze when they arrived. I'm sorry, that was Orlando where? Orlando, Florida. Damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. Sorry. <laughs> I, thought right. that was the, I thought that was the canned music for Orlando. We were, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I completely failed there. Oh, no, that's all right. The uh, clerk uh, told police a man uh, you know, wanted the liquor, but they're not allowed to sell uh, beer or alcohol between the hours of 3 a.m. and 7 a.m. So the suspect walked behind the counter, shoved the clerk, told him he'd kill him if he didn't uh, you know, turn over the money. He pretended he had a gun under his sweatshirt. The suspect shoved the clerk one more time, grabbed the beer, walked out of the store, sat down on the bench outside the store, proceeded to consume said beer. And then the police came and popped him. Yeah, it's always nice when things, the circle sort of closes itself. By the way, uh, on Friday night, I went to the plaid pantry near my house, and I, I pulled into the parking lot just in time 
to see this sort of scraggly looking guy. Seemed like he might have been homeless, but I mean, who's to, you know, in Portland, you can't really tell. Uh, I pulled into the parking lot of the plaid pantry just in time to see, it was about, I don't know, midnight, see a guy walking out the front door with two cases of beer that apparently he hadn't paid for because the clerk, like, followed him out, ran out after him yelling. And, but the guy just kind of kept him walking. Like, his whole, his whole MO was just, if I just keep walking, the clerk can only get so far away from the store because you can't desert the store because then everything will get stolen. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the guy just kept walking and the clerk kind of went, well, crap, and then just walked back inside, and that was it. <laughs> and I and I was just sort of sitting in the parking lot watching the whole thing, wondering whether to get out of the car or not, because I'm like, oh, God, is there going to be some sort of violence here? Like, is he going to try to tackle the guy, and then the guy's got a gun, and then i got to be a witness, and then i got to say, this don't concern me, mister, and then i got to run. So I waited there until it resolved, and I walked in the store, and I said, what's up with that? And the clerk, I, the clerk just goes, I don't know, he just picked up some cases of beer and just left. Well, whatever. And then he just went back to, like, reading Guns and Ammo magazine. So, I mean... I don't know if that's like standard uh, operating procedure or whatever, but yeah, I thought Fred Meyer or something got robbed last night because I was driving on Hawthorne on 39th and Hawthorne, and cops said it all blocked off, and they like you know they're like staked out on every corner, right there with like their lights going and stuff. Right. But I haven't been able to find anything in the news. I don't know. Hey, but somebody told us. Did you get that thing about the courthouse in Hillsborough? Ah, uh, yeah. A suspicious package. We'll leave it at that. Apparently, there's a suspicious package at the, the Hillsborough courthouse. So we're waiting to hear kind of. Uh, confirmation of further details on that. All right, here's uh, Todd Tulsis, ladies and gentlemen. Poetry's on the rise. Twelve local poets jumped into the frigid Green Lake in Seattle in December just because they thought it would be a good way to publicize their art. It's not enough to write, said one. You need that audience. An Oregon district attorney's office set out two years ago to prosecute David Simmons for having sex the year before with his girlfriend, who was then 14. He was 17. Grand jury in Jefferson County refused to indict Simmons, but the prosecutor acted exactly like the indictment had gone through, and no one, even Simmons, the defendant, noticed the mistake. Jesus. Only when Simmons agreed to plead guilty in exchange for a 30-day sentence in October 2006 did the news finally reach the foreman of the grand jury (laughs) that had no-billed Simmons, and the foreman's complaint caused the judge to dismiss the whole conviction. But meanwhile, two years later, in December of 2008, prosecutors in neighboring Lynn County charged Simmons anew for that 2005 tryst, claiming that ah, double jeopardy really doesn't apply here because the Jefferson County case never really happened. Hey, by the way, did you say that that Robert Plant thing, that him and Alison Krauss uh, won five Grammys? Uh, They were nominated for five. Uh, Actually, yeah, they took home five, five and all, including Album of the Year. Good for them. You know, here's the thing. Alison Krauss is really fantastic. Uh, She's quite wonderful. And Robert Plant, I mean, you know, I'm a huge Zeppelin fan, and his voice is kind of... Yeah, it's kind of disintegrated over the years, but I mean, what are you going to do? But Alison Krauss, I'm a, I'm for whatever brings more attention to her because she really is just a, yeah, voice like an angel. So she, you know, talk about strange bedfellows. You know, you look at those two together, and he looks like he's been ridden hard and hung wet. I, I have to tell you, he looks like. Do you know what a Robert Plant looks like? Who in, uh, is it Theoden? Who's that king in Lord of the Rings who has like the weird? But he's all got the fuzzy, weird, glassed-over eyes because, like, worm tongue or whatever has put him under his spell. Fuzzy eyes? You know what I'm talking about? Like, he's been put into a coma. Like, his his eyes are all, like, glaucoma either all, like, cloudy. And then, but, and he's got, like, white hair or something because he's basically been put under a trance. And then they break the, the trance and then he comes back to life and he looks normal. Robert Plant looks exactly like that guy. Oh, before he comes back to normal? Well, or even, like, somewhere in between, maybe. Because it's not like Robert Plant... I mean, that's the sort of the mixed bag, right, of, of being a guy. I mean, don't get me wrong. Robert Plant really sing one of the best rock singers of all time. But one of the, you know, the Robert Plant was also just this big golden sex god for a long time. And, and just undoubtedly got laid more than anybody has ever been laid ever in the history of, of laying. And, but the mixed bag there is that as soon as that starts to, as soon as that, that facade starts to crumble away, it just becomes bad. I mean, there's no, 
guys like that never have a stop between hot, young, sexy rock star and, like, dear God, what is that thing? Mm. There's never any sort of a, well, he's kind of, it's, they just go right to ugly. And he looks like, you can really see him the holding up, like, like a golden goblet and being kind of like a hail the victorious dead kind of a thing. <laughs> But, like, less dramatic and interesting. So, anyway. And the other reason that I'm glad they won five Grammys is the tour and record with Alison Krauss is the reason he did not reunite or tour with Led Zeppelin. So, I mean, if they were going to pass up a Zeppelin tour, which I almost assuredly would have paid at any cost to see, uh, you know, at least they did it for something that was worthwhile. So, uh, it's a bit of a mixed bag there. Uh, you know, I was at a, a Zeppelin concert uh, back in the early 70s. You bastard, this, really? No, this is, yeah, this is, this was the damnedest thing. And it's, this incident was written about in Bill Graham's biography, uh, who he put on the shows uh, in the Bay Area yeah. for many, many years. This was the one of the Day on the Green shows, one of the many shows they did outdoors at the Oakland Stadium, uh, where the Raiders still play to this, to this day. And, uh, Led Zeppelin, apparently, uh, their their manager, Peter Grant, Peter Grant, was well known for roughing people up oh, just he's for the a, hell of it. Oh, he was a bastard. He was um, he changed the way that bands got paid. I know way too much about stuff like this. I'll suffice it to say that before Peter Grant, promoters, record companies, I mean, you hear these stories all the time about you know these guys who you know sold five million records or something, and you know they got paid fifty bucks or something for it. And Peter Grant was the, one of the first guys. Who was like, that's not going to happen. Uh, you know, he just, and there's a legendary story about a guy, uh, Peter Grant, going backstage and like demanding the money. And the promoter didn't, there was something to do with the promoter was trying to screw them. And Peter Grant's like, look, I know the gate was like this, so you owe us 300 grand or whatever. And the promoter stuck a gun in his ribs and said, you know, like, you will take what we're going to pay you or I will kill you right now. And Peter Grant just stared at him and said something to the effect of, uh, what, God, what did he say? He said, he said, you go ahead and shoot me right now. Do it. I'm ordering you. Shoot me. Pull the trigger, like, right now. And the guy eventually just kind of went, ah, and just sort of dropped the gun and ran away. And then they got to 300 grand. Like, Grant was that, that, that intimidating of a guy. Grant was a big guy. He was like a former wrestler or yeah. something. He was like some huge presence. And uh, you're right. He didn't take any guff from anybody. And apparently, and Zeppelin was touring with their, I don't know, one of the kids. He was either one of John Bonham's kids. Uh, and uh, and one of the security people had you know told one of the kids to get out of there. He was in some right. place where he wasn't supposed to be, and so the kid goes crying to Bonham, and then Bonham mentions it to Peter Grant. It's nothing. It, I right. mean, it is absolutely nothing. But as it turns out, Grant uh, asks uh, Bill Graham uh, you know, about this incident and wants to talk to the security fellow who uh, who uh, chastised this young child. Mm -hmm. And um, and Bill Graham is a very astute character. He knows what's going to go on here, and he said, "Peter, this is just not a good idea. Let me handle it. Right? I'll talk to the security guy." And Bill Graham was usually doing most of his own security at that time. They were not hiring the Oakland police to do security inside the stadium itself. He had his own people there for right. the most part. And so, and Grant was insistent, you must let me talk to this fellow. I just want to make sure that we're, you know, on the same page about this. I'm not going to hurt him or anything like this. You know, Bill Graham is equally insistent, saying, please let me handle this. I know I can, you know, I'll take care of it. And anyway, uh, push came to shove, and finally, Graham relented, only because Peter Grant gave him his word that he was not going to get hurt. I promise I will, he will not be the, the victim of a prolonged beating. And as it turned out, so he asked the security guy to please speak to Peter Grant about the, uh, you know, the, you know, the chastising of this young child, you know, and that happened a, a little while ago. So Grant, uh, they took a, you know, th this fellow went into uh, one of Zeppelin's trailers in the parking lot, mm -hmm. and uh, Peter Grant locked the door and beat this guy to a bloody pulp. 
I mean, beat him to a bloody pulp. And you don't want to be so beaten guy, by Peter Grant. Uh, yeah, I mean, the guy's got rings bigger, you know, than than yeah. our hands. He, you know? looked, he was a stunt double for Peter Ustinov at one point, actually, <laughs> if you want to get a sense of what Peter Grant looked like. I mean, he was huge. He was a mountain of a guy. He was. Yeah. He was. And he just pummeled this guy. If that's the same story that I'm thinking of, I think I've heard that story recounted somewhere. And if it's the same one, although God knows they probably beat scores of people, um... I do believe they said at one point when they went into the trailer, the report said something like, the trailer was a wash in blood, you know, and that's, yeah. you don't want anything involving you to end that way. But you went to an actual show. Oh, yes. What year would that have been? Well, you know, don't don't forget, uh, you know, there was a t in, in the 70s, Rick, I was a rock critic. I was. Uh, I didn't know that. I was the San Francisco bureau chief for Melody Maker. Really? In London, and I was the music editor for the Berkeley Daily Gazette, the daily paper in Berkeley. So I was on the A list of everything that was happening. I cannot believe you held out on me. You oh, didn't yeah. tell me this information. Ah, uh, you never asked. So oh. yeah, so I went to every concert, wow. every club, every uh, you know press junket, and this was a time when the record companies just could not shower. Uh, you know, promotional budgets hookers? with more money. You want hookers? They had the works. And this was a great time. This was a great time for music from 1971 to 1980, which is when I was doing this. Right. They just couldn't, you know, shower the press with more trinkets and more junkets oh, yeah? and, and, and more stuff. So there wasn't a band I didn't see, wasn't a, a, an artist that I didn't meet personally and interview and write stories about and so on. Don't get me wrong, but I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Slowly and horribly. Honestly, that's your dream job. No, honestly, but this is, you know, I'm dating myself here, but this is old school stuff. But that's this worth dating yourself for. This is 71 to 80. That's what, but see, that's worth it. What am I going to do? No, no, no. I, I was able to see Growing Pains from beginning to end every episode live when it aired. I have nothing to compare to that. What, what, uh, let me ask you, Sarah. This is, let's do this, let me ask you this. What in your life, musically, let's say, in terms of music, what in your life, I'm not saying there isn't anything, what in your life do, are you, do you think you'll be able to look back on and say, well, you know what, I was able to see, ba 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 and, and like people will care about it 30 years from now? Mm, well, my kind of people, my biggest thing is I got to interview Trevor Keith before the last, their last show in Portland and got to watch the entire show. I you don't know, know who that is. Trevor Keith, he's the singer face-to-face. -face. Oh, I see. It's yes, and, okay. but you know face-to-face -face is my favorite band, and yes. I got to be... It was just me and one other person who were allowed on the side of the stage for the entire thing, and then I got their set list. For All the right, last well that's cool. Over. It was amazing, yeah. And I got to talk to this musician that I've loved, you know, for like ten years. So you got to interview Mike Ness. That was monumental for me. Yes, got to meet Mike Ness. That was a cool thing. Yeah, I mean, I've hung out with. The, I think probably the Killers, like, you know, my friend being the tour manager for the Killers, like, I've hung out with Brandon Flowers a few times. Now, do you, you think that's, that's gonna, cool? Do you think yeah. that that's gonna? I mean, well, in in twenty I years, they, I think, do you think they they're have gonna. Power. They're gonna matter. I to think people? they do because they keep um they keep consistently like putting out pretty decent albums. Okay, now, I'm trying to think. Is it like if anything that I've, I mean, the only thing I can probably think of, really, the only thing I can say that I saw, uh, that people will probably care about in twenty years. Well, there's two things. One is I did manage to see. The original lineup of Kiss. It was on the reunion tour, but it was the original lineup of Kiss, full makeup, full stage show, because that re that reunion only lasted like a year and a half before they started booting people out again, you know. And it was like, hey, Eric Singer, put on this makeup. Hey, Tommy Thayer, put on this makeup. Hey, guy we met on the street, put on this makeup. So I got to see the original Kiss uh, lineup and makeup, and I got to see more or less the the complete original lineup of Guns N' Roses. Uh, not altogether, but I mean, it was before Axel fired everybody. So I got to see Guns N' Roses and Metallica live, uh, together at the Kingdom. It was Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Motorhead. That's probably, really, truth be known, that's probably the only show I have ever seen that I could, that I'll be able to impress anybody with in the future. Because nobody, like all the other crap, like, you know, I saw Poison seven times. No one will care.
No one's going to care. Um, you know, even some of the other, even some of the bands that kind of seem cool now. I saw REM. No one will care. But you know, but the the Guns N' Roses thing, I can probably impress people with. But not being in the seventies. Yeah. We got a break here, but just real quickly. Uh, so Led Zeppelin. Of course. Who are the other two that come to mind that you you look back and you're like, I got to do that. Oh, the Stones, the Who. Uh, you know, uh, Har- <laughs> George Harrison's concert where he lost his voice. You know, uh, I mean, uh, you know, ACDC. I mean, all of them when they were just you starting got to meet out. All of them. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I was a member of the press, you know, and 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 of course, again, this was a time when record companies were flying so-called rock journalists to other cities. You were like, Will, you were William countries. Miller and almost famous. Just say it. You know what? Cameron Crowe and I were charting uh, parallel paths at the time. He was far more famous than I was, but and and, and far Cameron more Crow? successful than I am today. But we were essentially doing the exact same thing. Have you met Cameron Crowe? We never knew each other. Oh, I mean, I, he may know about me because he was but, on the same track as you said. Yeah, we were on the same. We were like uh, two trains running side by side. He was Melody writing for Maker, Stone. I was writing for Melody Maker. And I don't even know if Melody Maker is still around. I don't think it is. Uh, but Melody Maker at the time in the seventies was a big deal. It was like Rolling Stone. Like a or something. Exactly. Oh, no. it was, yeah. Melody Maker was the largest music newspaper in the world. It was bigger. Uh, than uh, than Billboard, it was bigger than Spin. It was bigger than uh, anything, and it came out every seven days. It didn't come out every month. It was bigger than Stone, so it was massive, and uh, it was you know tremendously influential. And uh, and and uh, it's it was it was a great treat. It was one of those things you look back on your life and you say, hey, that wasn't so bad. Wow, I suck. <laughs> Seriously, don't I don't want this to sound creepy, but uh, after uh, I kill you, I'm going to <laughs> suck the memories out of your brain. No, 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 I'm going to hold your brain up, and I'm going to inhale your memories. Jesus. All right. Sarah and I introduced L.A. Guns. <laughs> Don't forget the Bullet Boys, Rick. Yeah. And Middle Ice. God. Lame. All right. Well, that's swell. Let's take a break. Back after this with Todd Tulsis. Live the best life ever. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else is coming up? Jim Rube from uh, CNN Radio. Uh, we'll also have today's Happy Valentine's Day or Not breakup story and the winner of the AM 970 bailout for this week. Don't go anywhere. You cannot make friends with the rock stars. You can be a true journalist, you know, a rock journalist. You first never get paid much. But you will get free records from the record company. <laughs> Nothing about you that is controversial, man. God, it's going to get ugly, man. They're going to buy you drinks. You're going to meet girls. They're going to try to fly you places for free, offer you drugs. And I know it sounds great. These people are not your friends. You know, these are people who want you to write sanctimonious stories about the genius of rock stars. And they will ruin rock and roll and strangle everything we love about it. You know, they're trying to buy respectability for a form that is gloriously and righteously dumb. You know, you're smart enough to know that. And the day it ceases to be dumb is the day it ceases to be real. Right? And then it just becomes an industry of cool. I, I mean, I'm telling you, you're coming along at a very dangerous time for rock and roll. I mean, the war is over. They won. And 99% of what passes for rock and roll these days, silence is more compelling. And that's why I think you should just turn around, go back, you know, and be a lawyer or something. I can tell from your face that you won't. I can give you 35 bucks. Give me a thousand words on Black Sabbath. An assignment? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
you have to make your reputation on being honest and uh, you know, unmerciful. And if you get into a jam, you can call me. I stay up late. Well, that's appropriate. Uh, so we kind of devolved into this whole music uh, discussion earlier, which is uh, which is a good way to do this. Welcoming now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles, Senior Radio Correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. And a very good afternoon to you, sir. Uh, so I, I don't know. Maybe it was because we were talking about the Grammys. Maybe not. Oh, it's because we were talking about Robert Plant earlier, right, Todd right, Pulsus. Yeah. Um, and, and then you know we got the Grammy uh, thing, and then the, the five uh, the Grammys that I guess he won with Alison Cross. So were you um, were you at the uh, were you at the uh, Grammy Awards last night? Yeah, I was there. You know, it was, a, it was a good show. I thought the, uh, I really enjoyed the performances. As strange as some of those pairings were, there's no stranger couple than, uh, Plant and Kraut. That's for darn sure. But I thought it was great last night. See, and the weird thing about it is, is I've heard of a lot of people who, uh, say that it was, that it was good. And I've read a lot of uh, positive reviews. But also, for the first time in recent memory, every single person I asked about it today, like, forgot that it was happening and therefore didn't watch it. Uh, it yeah, just... well, there wasn't a whole lot of promotion, honestly. I think just on uh, whatever network it was, I think that's pretty much all there was to it. But, you know, it was great. I mean, it was the party that the Grammys usually is. It even had its backstory controversy with Chris Brown and Rihanna. Yeah, so what is, just... what is up with that? Because I have only heard the broad strokes of that story. Well, he... He and she canceled their appearances at the Grammys. Now, he was up for two awards. She was up for three. Neither one of them won anything, but they were also supposed to perform. And they called that day because it all happened early Sunday morning, about 1230 or so. They, they apparently got into some sort of argument. It escalated on the streets of Los Angeles to the point where I think, based on what I have heard in, in the police reports I've read, he slapped her because the police said there were visible injuries. Well, that sounds and, like more uh, than a slap. Yeah, well, you know, whatever happened is uh, right now he's just being charged with making uh, violent threats right. or, or terrorist threats or whatever, and they may file domestic abuse charges later. But he's uh, free on fifty thousand dollar bail right now. And when we tried to contact her publicist, all they said was, you know, she's fine. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your your uh, your thoughts and consideration. But um, the, on the police report, I think they they. Um, identified her as Robin or Roberta Rihanna Fetter or something like that. So we're guessing that's who that was. Jesus. Well, I think if, I, if I'm... That's a, Sarah, that's a girl who sings Umbrella, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. I read an interview with... Uh, God, was it her? I might be confusing her with somebody else. I might be confusing her with that milkshake girl. Keyless? Keyless. One of them was like a cutter or something. I think it might have been that Keyless chick that was a cutter, uh, where she was all nutty and... Had all these weird problems. So Rihanna seems to have her, her crap together pretty well. Really? So it must be that keyless girl. All right. Yeah. So uh, you know, she, I, I've been, she doesn't talk much. You know, I mean, she she hasn't really had. There hasn't been any, a whole lot of controversy surrounding. Well, she's only twenty years. Maybe old. Maybe she's afraid to speak when she's not being spoken to. That, that that's a smart move. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe yeah. uh, maybe she's uh, maybe she's had some bad experiences there because it sounds like she's. I mean, really, when you say it escalated onto the streets of Los Angeles, that doesn't yeah, sound like. It, it, well, they were arguing, and they pulled over. She got out. He got out, and that's when that's when things went real south. Because that doesn't sound like that's not like a first time fight. That's not like in my assessment. That would just be my read on this. That's not a thing that well, happened together for a very long time. Too. Yeah. See, and that that sounds like a uh, that sounds well, like I, something... I was talking to some people who were who were at that party at Clive Davis's party, um, and uh, apparently what happened was they got into a fight or an argument inside the party. 
She may have been paying too much attention to somebody. I don't know. He stormed out. She followed. They both got in his rented Lamborghini, and they took off. And at some point, he just pulled over. She popped out. He got out, and it, it just went from there. Well, they sound really stable and together. So, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, really, they, they both they stormed out of the party and got in his rented Lamborghini. And yeah, I know he, he, he's 19, for heaven's sake. He should be renting a Volvo or something. <laughs> Seriously. No, 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 my uh, drive yet. He, he's going to wrap that Lamborghini around a pole. Uh, it just, uh, it, it just, it's, it, it's. I, I mean, I'm not trying to like make light of, of the, you know, the sort of more violent part of the evening or whatever. But it's just, we were talking about uh, talking to Todd Tulsis, who was the guest in the studio today, and you know, he was there on on, on the scene, as they say in California, through some of the, you know, rocks, uh, you know, heyday of the '70s and so forth. And you do just see. Some of this cyclical behavior, just over and over and over. It's like, how many times do you have to see the guy in VH1 who's like, and then I sold 9 million records, and I, I owe the IRS um, $4 million. I don't know yeah, how that happened. It's a really story all over again. Yeah, exactly. It's like every... You know what? It's, and that kind of behavior is worse in the music industry than any other part of Hollywood, it seems. You know, I mean, everybody has their troubles, you know, especially as young as they are when they get all the money that they get. But in the music industry, it's just worse. There seems to be no filter or no support system, no guidance at all. They're just handing these people money, and they don't know what to do with well, it. Well, would you would you agree, agree with me on this? That uh, as opposed to let's take two of the other big entertainment fields, let's take uh, acting in film, you know, film acting and uh, athletics. Uh, you know, so you got you got uh, pro sports, you got acting, uh, you know, like in your big ticket Hollywood films, and then you got the music industry. The thing that makes the music industry different, and I think the reason why you see so much of this insane behavior from musicians, uh, is that is that of those three, it is in the music industry in which those parts of your personality become inextricably linked with and an, and, a, and an irremovable part of your appeal, your persona, even your performance sometimes, right? I mean... Well, well yeah, here's an example of that. Chris Rock. I mean, not Chris Rock, but uh, Kid Rock. Right. Kid Rock last night, in his performance, flashed up his mugshot as big as day on the jumbotron inside the arena. Wow. I thought that was a great touch, you know? He got a big, you know, that was, you know, he, he is who he is, you Especially, know? And, and, is that the mugshot because he got, there was some beat down at a Waffle House? Which yeah, is, that's the one. Yeah, I don't great. know why, but that just makes me laugh. I'm not saying you should be beating on people, but really, if you're going to do it, I mean, try to do it at a place that, you know, I mean, just the Waffle House is a funny word anyway. It's like there's a restaurant up here. I don't know if you got this in California. There's a restaurant here called the Pig and Pancake, and it's P-I-G uh, apostrophe N apostrophe P-A-N-K-C-A-K-E. And so just the idea of, like, he was restrained after forcing, you know, after beating several people and several onlookers at the local Pig and Pancake. It's just funny. And even there's a Kid Rock who put, you put a beat down on a guy at a Waffle House. There's yeah, just at something least, funny. At least he got the upper hand. You know what I mean? You story. don't want to be. You don't want to be beaten down at the Waffle House. No, because then you have to. Then you yeah. have to go live in a cave uh, in shame for the rest of your life. That's adding insult to injury. <laughs> totally. <laughs> it was like there was a story. Sarah found the best story the other day uh, about a woman who ran. This is just the great. And it's like the story itself is, I guess, kind of interesting. But it's all the headline. You know, it was a woman who ran pantsless through an IHOP. <laughs> And, I mean, just the way that those words all kind of go together, there's just some sort of magical flow there. So, anyway. That's right. the waitress. Yes. Um, and so forth. Hey, did you see, uh, did you get a chance to see Robert Plant up close by any chance? Yes, absolutely. Does, I mean, give it to me straight. Does he look bad? I'll tell you, he looked better now than he did in 2001 when I saw him. All right. Well, fair enough. I thought, I thought he looked better. It, it, I don't know if it's hanging out with Allison Krauss. 
I mean, that's a real nice father-daughter relationship I think they got going. Yeah, I'm sure I mean, that's she, the way that relationship works. <laughs> it seems that way to me. It, seemed, it really honestly seemed that way. It didn't seem strange or weird or anything. Oh, it just well, seemed, I mean, right. very father-daughter. The way she talked about him and looked at him and the way he looked and talked to, and talked about her it was kind of pride on either side. It wasn't anything weird. I Because I, I, I was looking for some kind of weird sure. you know, May-December thing going on here. Uh, look, but here's no, the thing. Can I just say whatever you think? I assume that any woman who's in a room uh, with Robert Plant for more than 10 seconds is having sex with him. I mean, that's the thing, <laughs> right? Doesn't matter. You put her, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, here's the thing. It's like if you put something in the fridge next to an onion, it's going to smell like an onion. If you put well, somebody in the room, the with, world, that's okay. I mean, that's, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would do the same if I were Robert Plant. So, uh, you know, all right. Jeez. But, you know, I, I thought it was cool. I thought, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of the album. You know, I'm, I don't even really like the, but once I heard that it was Plant and Jimmy Page who wrote, uh, please read the letter, please, please read the, this yeah. letter or whatever yeah. it's called. I thought, well, I like that song better now. Yeah. You know, they just put a little Tennessee tint to it when Allison Krauss got a hold of it, and it became what it is. But I liked it now that I found out Jimmy Page was involved in writing it post Led Zeppelin, of course. Yeah, and Allison Krauss got great. great. Allison Krauss really just has a beautiful voice. She just has it. She's the voice of an angel. I mean, that's a cliche that gets used a lot, but it's true. She has an amazing voice. Yeah, you know, for for someone who who sits in the genre of bluegrass country, whatever it is her genre is, uh, she has 26 Grammys. Yeah, you know, I think Stevie Wonder has 25. Yeah, well, it's you so, know, like bluegrass is one of those things where it is, you know, what is it, what is it, an inch wide and a mile deep. I mean, it's a niche, but I mean, the people, you know, it is its own world, very much so. Yeah, it's so. Allison Krauss and Ricky Skaggs, man. That's it. That's, Rick, it. that's good for you with the Ricky Skaggs Kentucky Thunder reference. Look dude, at you. Highway 40 Blues. I used to. I, I worked country for several years. I used to love oh, that song. Dude, let me just for a minute. Hey, Todd Tolson, did you ever work country? Uh, yes, I have. Did you play Ricky Skaggs? I have. Did you, did you ever play that? Oh God, I'll see now. Highway 40 now, Blues, man. Now I'm flashing back though. But I mean, did you ever have to play that awful that Honey, won't you open that door song? Oh, no, that one's drawn a blank, but it's a good This is your title. sweet daddy, Don't You Love Me No More. It's cold outside, let me sleep on the floor. Honey, won't you open that door? Oh, okay, do you remember this? Do you remember Ricky Skaggs having the big, weird, white man's afro that was, like, red? Yes. Boy, that was a bad look. That's a guy, somebody should have held him down and shaved his head. That was a bad, bad, it was like... He's got the Charlie Rich going now. It was, it, it was like you'd taken... It was like you'd taken that Bob Ross guy who does the painting on PBS, or did, where he's like, we're going to make a happy little cloud over here, and then happy tree. It's like you'd taken that guy and just, it, it, like, uh, turned him over and dipped him in red ink or something. It was just weird. And then Skaggs had the big porn mustache going on, and what always seemed to be a denim work shirt that was tucked really, really, really uh, badly into these pants that were then up to his navel. The 80s were not good to that guy. He, no, looks, he looks much better now. He does. I saw. He, he won again last night, man. He wins every year. Because he see the great thing about Ricky Skaggs is he at one point he had a bunch of crossover hits, and then I think he either had enough money in the bank or just had a had his fill of singing pop and just said uh, screw this I'm going to play what I want to play and he has this band Kentucky Thunder who are a bluegrass band and I actually saw them a couple years ago and they were just unbelievable. I mean they were just the, the, the jaw dropping. It's like this yeah. weird, like, hillbilly speed metal. I mean, it's just fantastic. So, uh. You know, it was Brad Paisley, Keith Urban, a bunch of other guys got together, and they won a Grammy last night for an album they call Cluster Pluck. You know, just a bunch of guys... <laughs> A bunch of guys wow. plucking guitars. I thought, man, what a great name that is, man. And, and and I just had to use that in several pieces just so I could make sure I say it. I, you, you know, know what? It is, my final great. thought here is, I, if for no other reason uh, than this, I love Brad Paisley. I got to admire a guy who's working in the country genre who sticks with the name Paisley. <laughs> Seriously, what's your name, Brad Lavender? 
have you ever seen him? You ever seen him up close? Yes, I have. Well, no, yeah, not up close. Uh, he, uh, he he can handle himself, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, he's okay. A big, he's a big guy. On that note, my friend, uh, we're going to add you to the list along with Todd Tolsis here, who was telling us, well, I remember seeing Zeppelin back in the day, and I was hanging out with Bill Graham, the promoter. I'm going to put you, uh, Jim Rube, on the list of, uh, of of people today who have great musical stories that I can't. Hey, I got, I, got, I got a couple of minutes with Paul McCartney last night, too. It was great. All right. Now I have to ask, what was it like? Uh, oh, man, you know, it was, it, was, it was cool. It was like I was talking to my uncle or something, you know? He was just... It was all real matter-of-fact, you know, and I asked him, I said, you still pinch yourself on the whole Beatles thing, you know, because you got to wake up and go, wow, what's all that all about? And he said last night, he said, you know what, now that I'm removed from it, I can look back at it and say, you know, that was really good stuff. But when he was doing it, it you know, he really didn't think too much about it. But now that he's really far removed, he looks back at it and says, that's really fine. <laughs> that's really, really fine. fine. Yeah, that's a, Paul McCartney, don't get, don't get me wrong. I, you know, Paul McCartney's a legend. He's great, and I love him. Um, but he's just, bless you, Sarah, he's just, and I don't know if he does it intentionally, but he's just such a bastard in that he has that, like, exaggerated casualness when he talks about, like, being a Beatle, you know? Yeah. And he's like, well, uh, you know, I mean, look, I mean, uh, he was talking about the White Album at one point, it's on that Beatles anthology, and he was talking about the... Uh, he was talking about how some people, apparently there's people who said the, the White Album was a little overlong, kind of bloated. Some, you could have trimmed some of the stuff and made it, you know, made it one really great album as opposed to, you know, to a, a double album that maybe is not so solid. And McCartney, he, he has this great sort of like, he has this great sort of like, he's just such an SOB about how he understates things with like a, just sort of a wave of his hand. He goes, he goes, well, I mean, you know, people say that it's overly long, but I mean, I mean, if you're going to ask me, I mean, I think... I think the White Album's okay. I think it's good. You know, and you're just like, of course you think it's good, you bastard. You know it's brilliant. And then he does that sort of like, he does that sort of like false, I don't even know, it's a false humility. I think he tries to be grounded about it, but it just comes off like he's just trying to like, you know, like he's so deliberately downplaying the thing. You know, know, it was so long ago. I think there are several things there. First of all, he, he tries to walk that line between being dismissive about it and and uh, and, and showing some humility about right. it. And number two, I think he just he doesn't want to be pigeonholed back into the Beatle thing because he has such a large catalog sure. of stuff from all kinds. He's got a new album coming out called Fireman. He calls it it's kind of an alternative kind of thing. It's alternative from what, dude? You've done everything. Yes, yeah, seriously. <laughs> he's done classical jazz, you name it. He's done it. What can it be an alternative to? If I ever so, meet, go ahead. Uh, so it was just, but it was great, you know, because it was just, it was just really casual, really, really kind of cool. It was before the show even began, you know. It was just, uh, I, I'll, I mean, I, I'm going to save that forever because it's great opiate material. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> you should have told him that, Paul. This will be great when you're dead. Yeah. This is. Uh, oh, thanks, dude. Yeah. I'm going to have this ready for when you croak. I'll be the first one out with it. That's fantastic. I, uh, by the, oh, dude. I'm going to tell you right now, okay, you know how, like, every jackass DJ on Earth uh, was doing that, like, uh, when he turned 64 a couple years ago, it was all that, like, we still need him in love, or whatever that rhyme is, we, we'll still feed him now that he's 64, like every idiot radio host. I'm telling you right now, you ought to be writing your obituary now so you can get this down on paper. It's a, Paul is a dead man. Miss him, miss him. <laughs> Come on! That's funny! <laughs> you know what? And that would play, too. I'm just saying that, that nobody little... nobody would consider that uh, bad. It's you know what it is that walks the line perfectly between yes, irreverence and 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 reverence and history. Yes, exactly. And they say it's called it's it's historically relevant.
Well, there you go. Just trying to make myself feel useful in this conversation, you bastard. Thank you very much. All right. Thank, thank you. you, Jim Roop. All right, buddy. There you go. By the way, I didn't want to say this on the phone. Roop was doing the same thing at like the dismissive. Oh, and I also had a few minutes with Paul McCartney. But you probably have to go, Rick. Man, it's just like kick you in the groin day today. I'm sure, Rick, you got to go back and uh, live your totally disappointing life without any Paul McCartney. In it. <laughs> okay, I should go now. I got to go to In and Out. Maybe you can snag another interview with Steven Seagal one of these days. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. No problem. Good times. Hello, Todd Tulsis. How are you today? Oh, I'm great, Rick Emerson. More music news for you today. After five years, Green Day fans can finally look forward to a new album from the band. MTV reporting the new album is called 21st Century Breakdown. It'll be released in May. The album's already available for pre-order on their website, greenday.com. You, by the way, and then we'll break. We'll come back after this. We'll do more news. Uh, uh, Richie Bristol will have a great uh, breakup story for us. Uh, let's see. What else? Like us at 3, Michael Mara Show at 7, Phil 111. You can always tell when a band realizes they've done something really... Um, how do you pronounce that word that I always see written down? Epical? E-P-O-C-H-A-L? Epical. Epical. Yeah. Uh, but you know, they've never really had a watershed in their career because they do they do a couple things. They always take time off, right? and then they always, always put out either a compilation or a live album, sometimes both, and that's while they're all in a room going, oh, God, all right, we had a huge comeback. How do we not F this up? <laughs> how do we stay, how do we stay, like, back on top now that we've made it? Oh, God, what if our next album sucks? Oh, God, you know, and, like, when you have the comeback, there's the moment of triumph followed by the panic of how do you make sure that it's not like a one-off, right? right? Uh, and they were, you know, they were considered kind of washed up by most people till American Idiot came out, which is really just a, a stunning record. It's just an amazing record. And they did big tour, and then they toured again, then they put out a live album, then they put out a Greatest Hits album, then, wait for it, they put out a secret side project under a different name, which is another thing bands... Oh, the only thing they haven't done that bands do when they're trying to, like, stall for time... Green Day did the double tour, they did the live album, they did the compilation album, they did the album under a different name. They put out an album uh, uh, under the name of a Foxborough Hot Tub. And the only thing they haven't done is to put out an album of cover songs. That's like the only quiver left in that, you know, arrow left in that quiver. So they got to do something, though. So, well, I wish them the best. I will take a break. Come back after this. Richie Bristol's breakup story. Uh... Well, play. We have a couple of worst songs you've ever heard, right? We've got to get. Yeah, I like how yeah. you get to see Zeppelin, and I get to hear like the worst songs ever. Uh, that, by the way, are both relatively recent from my generation, Todd. Sorry, kids. All right. Hey, I did in fact meet one of the people. Remember? I think you did too. Oh, that's right. We'll meet kind of a story. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Emerson. Sorry. <laughs> it's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. Engineers love it when you test a mic by hitting it. She taught me that. <laughs> Tap on it. This isn't here. a rock concert. Just this one time, Richie. Hello, is this on? <laughs> Seriously, it's not the doors in Young Frankenstein. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Uh, anywho, uh, it's 503-733-2970, and I know we say this sometimes, but I cannot believe that this show is almost over. I mean, it just, I mean, 
where where has the time gone uh, today? So it really has just uh, vanished. Todd Tulsis, who has been joining us today. By the way, I, I keep forgetting, it's imagingvoice.com. Imagingvoice.com, that's my website. If you have an Asian gangster you need voiced, uh, he clearly is your man. Uh, Perhaps you need the Asian gangster voice hey. to intimidate other people. Hello. <laughs> you sound way more Asian than Richie. <laughs> don't mean, do it, Richie. You're not no, gonna... Seriously, don't. I thought he was going to do that. Okay, right. I won't do that. Uh, imagingvoice.com, by the way. We'll put that up on the uh, website later on today. Thanks. All right, so we'll do uh, some more news here in a second. Uh, we've got uh, at least one of the worst songs ever uh, to get to. We've got the worst song you've ever heard. We've got uh, one from a few years back and then one from literally like a week ago. And the, the, today we probably will get to the contemporary one because it ties into the, to the Grammys. It has relevance. And also because, like so many of these songs, it was just service to the radio station because they were trying to get the radio station to play it. Maybe that'll happen. Maybe it won't. Uh, anywho. All right. It is that time once again, ladies and gentlemen, for the Pro Flowers Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day or not. $75 gift card giveaway. If we read your breakup story on the air, you get a $75 gift card to proflowers.com. Click the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Type in Emerson or call 1-800-PRO-FLOWERS and mention my last name, Emerson, for amazing deals. It is proflowers.com. You go to 970.am. You uh, give us your breakup story, 200 words or less. If we read it, you win the $75 gift card. Are we ready, Sarah Dillon? We sure are. All right. We starting with Richie Bristol? We are. All right, Richie Bristol, has uh, you have brought in one of your breakup stories? Yeah, I just thought it up. I mean, I had to... But this is real? This is oh, a thing for that sure, happened? For when real. did this happen? Uh, like, about ten years ago. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Richie Bristol tells his tale of love thwarted. Ah, <laughs> uh, many years ago, I lived with a hot, tall, blonde girl. She was much taller than me. I only being 5'6", and her being 5'10", it was awkward at times. While saying goodbye to her in front of our studio apartment in the Pearl District, I would stand on one stair above her as she stood six inches below me, and we would look eye to eye. Well, you know, sometimes you feel inside that things are, aren't working out, and after six to twelve months of living with her, it was great, but things changed. And for some reason, every time I would walk down the hall, the neighbor boys would look at me, chuckle, and whisper under their breath, stuff as they... stuff as they... stuff under their breath as if they had a secret. Well, after a while, and many, many different types of hints, one day I decided to play Double O Richie and leave a slow audio recording device under my bed as I left for work. <laughs> well, I listened to the recording later to find but a quiet apartment, then door slamming and opening till I heard the squeak of two pairs of footsteps, male and female voices, turning to breathing, turning to moans, only barely heard over a very loud rhythmic Rhythmatic squeak, 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 squeaking of the bed. That's the kind of bed I have ever rhythmatic at home. After that, I waited till the next time she took off for her four-hour, four-hour-a-day bar job, and within four hours, I packed everything, including the toilet paper, in the U-Haul truck and moved it to my new home and unpacked and was fully moved in. Later that night, the girl I had moved out on found out where I lived from a friend and came to my house barged down the stairs to find me pouring Kool-Aid on a duct-taped big hair girl. I asked, what are you doing here? She asked, why did you leave? And all I could remember is frantically trying to untie and defend a duct-taped, tied-up girl covered in flavored sugar drinks and yelling, yelling at my axe about getting out of my house. We are done. Get out. I don't even know where to go. So was the Kool-Aid that was it sexy time? Of course it was. What do you? I don't know. Kool-Aid doesn't sound like fun. Sounds like sticky and gross. 
It was. Yeah, but don't you think that that's probably a difference between but you and Richie? Like girls in a basement with Richie, letting him duct tape her to like and let him tie her up or whatever. Was but she tied up or duct taped? She was duct taped. And for the same price, you could have had a box of Jello, and it would still be sticky and liquid, and just stick it in the fridge for thirty minutes. You can't wait thirty minutes. You could have all that Jello to play with. No, it's it, it's about the fact you're pouring some drink on, and they're squirming, trying to get away because they don't want. So you're like waterboarding this poor girl, <laughs> yeah. but with Kool Aid and <laughs> and sexy waterboarding. Okay, what is the? I have to ask this. What okay. is the appeal of pouring Kool Aid on on the girl in the basement? Well, she's duct taped up. She squirms more. Because if you put Jello, she's gonna sit there and take it. If you put whipped cream. She's just going to sit there and let you do it. But if you pour Kool-Aid or Snapple or something sticky on her, she's going, don't, don't. Or or Viso. (laughs) Do you like it when when a girl has a little bit of fight in her? Yeah, especially when they're duct taped. (laughs) So you're trying to elicit a little bit of spunk from this girl. You know, a little bit of, uh, you know. But it wasn't as good as uh, the, the, the sound of my ex girlfriend coming down the stairs. Bam, 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 bam. I was in the basement and, yeah. And what do you mean when you lived with her for six to 12 months? Were you in jail? No. <laughs> what does we that lived, mean? We, we lived together. Well, because we, we had lived together one, and I moved, and she went to Colorado, and I went and got her, and she came back, and we lived together again. I see. So, you, okay. Okay. Right. Just one more final thing here. When you, this business of pouring the Kool-Aid on the girl. Did she, know, did she come over to have Kool-Aid poured on her? No, it just, you know how things happen. No, <laughs> just, no, I just don't. Happened. We've all been there. It just Sarah. happened. Started out with a piece of Guys duct tape. Guys understand that. Started with a piece of duct tape. Was like duct taped down one of her fingers. Like, one of her like foot. That, baby. Well, her foot, I duct taped to the corner of the couch. I do like the idea, by the way, that you want her to like to struggle, but in the end, you still want her to be overpowered by you and helpless. What is with you and, like, didn't you, when you went to the sex club, didn't you handcuff some girl to the bed? Oh, yeah. <laughs> there was a couple of them. Never mind. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, she no. turned into Alec Baldwin and Glengarry Glen Ross for a second. Oh yeah, I've been in sales. It's a tough racket. <laughs> yeah. All right, are we, are we done with your story? Yeah. Jesus God. Do you have more stories like this? Oh, I got lots oh, okay. of crazy ones. Well, you know what? Sarah gave uh, Sarah uh, really gave it her all last week. She did several stories, and we had one from David Walker, one from Aaron. I think this week uh, this week we will uh, augment all the listeners with Richie stories. <laughs> How do you feel about that? I got don't. Oh man, it's bringing up bad feelings. Okay. Uh, not oh, I, got million of I, I got, got a million of them. I got a good one with a video camera. Moving forward, uh, here we go. This is the listener's submission. I was saying earlier that there's no way that Richie's story could ever top it, and I don't know that Richie's story tops this, but I would say they're within shouting distance of one another, which I didn't think was possible. And this is from Ava. Ava submitted the story at 970.am. Rick. Two years ago, I saw an unfamiliar box next to my kitchen trash can awaiting disposal. <laughs> Looking inside, I found packaging for... a penis pump. <laughs> Since my husband had not mentioned anything about this recent purchase and I could not find its whereabouts, I became curious. Questioning my husband got me absolutely nowhere. As a last resort, I searched his car. Imagine my shock when I found his pump, along with a box of recently purchased condoms, and one was missing. Since I had no need for contraception because of my previous tubal ligation, I knew he hadn't used them with me. My my spouse of seven years fervently denied any wrongdoing, even though he had no reasonable explanation. 
And you can just see that, by the way. That there is no logical explanation for all this. All I see is Captain Binghamton going, uh, Admiral, ha, 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 ha. And it's not like Velma on Scooby-Doo where it's like there is some logic. There is no logical explanation. <laughs> Desperate for the truth? This will sound familiar to you. I placed a digital recorder inside his car. <laughs> no way! Swear to God. That's crazy. I was in total disbelief as I heard unsettling dialogue between my husband and... a prostitute. Finally, everything made sense. My husband, who is now my ex, had recently restricted our own lovemaking to just weekends. Prior to this discovery, clearly his schedule was already full during the work week. Happy Valentine's Day to all. Or not. Signed. Ava. There we go. There's your uh, Ava. You win a $75 gift certificate to Pro Flowers. Nicely done, Ava. Wow. You didn't hear the one about the uh, the woman who dumped her husband because it, uh, they were at a wedding and the husband was hitting on her daughter. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a new low. People never, uh, they never cease to, they never cease to surprise, Todd. Oh, love. <laughs> Back after this, ladies and gentlemen, with Todd Tolsis. Don't go anywhere. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcast and dead, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Join us tomorrow when our guest will include Katie Darrell from TMZ.com and Dawn Taylor, ladies and gentlemen. All right, Todd Tolsis uh, here today. Hello, sir. Hi, Rick. Imagingvoice.com is yep. uh, your website. Thanks. By the way, somebody has a great observation about Richie's uh, breakup story. It says, Rick, all right, so Richie's story is an awful breakup story. Hmm. Yes, he found out his girlfriend was boinking another guy, but on the day he decided to move out, he was already with another chick and had her tied up in the basement <laughs> pouring Kool-Aid on her. <laughs> it sounds like he went from cheated on to being a sex slaver on the very same day, and that's trading up in my book. Signed, Nick. That's a fair point, I suppose. I guess that's not really a bad breakup because it ended well for Richie. It ended well for Richie, and I think he's trying to make up for lost time. Yeah, I. Uh, all right, well, whatever. And the, you know, here's the detail that keeps sticking with me in his story. But he said that he was he was had this pouring Kool Aid on a big haired girl. Big haired, I thought that too. That's the thing that sticks with me. The big. I think he was trying girl. to like say big boobed, but he thought that he couldn't. So I he think he knows. Haired. Well, even in Richie's head, I don't, I mean, I don't, he would say, well, no. Maybe he's trying to, like, censor himself. Maybe. Like when guys say, you've got great eyes. And, mm -hmm. you know, really, no. Um, well, all right. So, <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, so, we got, uh, what, about five minutes here? How long do we have here? Yeah. All right. So, I got uh, today's installment of It's the Worst Song You've Ever Heard, but we should lead into that with this. So, uh, Todd told us, you were, you've been uh, sharing some of your stories from your days as a rock critic for Melody Maker magazine. Right. And I still can't believe you held out on us. I mean, you got to know how great those are. I mean, they're wonderful. And you, I don't even know the conclusion of the story because you started to you started to tell the story, and I think we, Sarah especially realized early on that it was something that, that the punchline should be on the air. So I don't know the conclusion to this, but you were talking about how back back then, uh, record companies, if you were a rock journalist, you were just like one step from from godhood. Yeah. And they would just fly you everywhere because they wanted they press would. for their band. They would. I mean, it was a time when uh, record companies had almost l unlimited. Promotional budgets uh, and the stuff that they were spending it on, you know, was, was you know incredibly stupid and ridiculous. But for the guys who were on the receiving end of it, oh yeah, like rock critics, uh, you know, the press, DJs at a certain DJs, uh, level, yeah, exactly. You know, it was fine for us. We we didn't care. The, uh, you know, and and 
And I, I guess I'm, I was reluctant to say anything like this. It's like, you know, God, because it sounds like, you know, you're just name dropping when, you know, if you were a rock critic. And then you end up sounding like, well, when I was hanging out with George Harrison, Dude, when I was hanging out with, uh, you know. I spent like an hour Mick talking Jagger. about meeting Terry Hatcher last Thursday. And thinking, <laughs> I don't give I don't give a rat's ass about Terry Hatcher. I was dropping the name of somebody I couldn't care less about. So go ahead. So the year was it was 1973, and I remember this one pretty good. Eh? And I'm, I'm going to give you the, I'm going to try to give you the short version of this. Uh, MCA Records had a huge budget. Al Cooper, who was under contract to MCA at the time, not to be confused with Alice Cooper. Al was uh, instrumental in the, in the formation of Blood, Sweat, and Tears, also the Blues Project. And he played the uh, organ on Like a Rolling Stone. Like a Rolling Stone. Al was a great producer, a great musician. He had started his own record label under MCA, mm -hmm. and, and he was just getting it underway. And I had become chummy with Al and uh, and the publicity department at, at uh, MCA Records. And they, they called me up and they said, we've got this band you have got to hear. Uh, they are going to be, you know, terrific. And I get called like this, you know, like two or three times a week, you know, as a critic. Always Everybody. the next big thing. Yeah, yeah. of course. You know, and, you know, from the promotional departments, from the A&R department. So you've got to hear this. We'll send you the demo. We'll send you the, you know, the album. This is way before CDs, of course, you know. Sure. And, and so sometimes they send it to you on cassettes, you know, just because yeah. it, was, it was handier. They didn't have to press it. And uh, we're going to fly you to Atlanta, they told me. And I was living in San Francisco. I was the San Francisco editor for Melody Maker. And uh, and uh, so they flew me to Atlanta. They put me up in a fancy hotel, and uh, me and uh, must have been between six and twelve other journalists from you know rock critics from all over the country, influential DJs from major markets, and uh, they put us up in a fancy schmancy hotel. And they took us out to this little roadhouse, you know, this this you know in the middle of nowhere, this you know club, right? You know, capacity maybe four hundred tops. And it was just like you know, it was like you know, it was like Roadhouse from uh, from the uh, you know from that uh, movie with Patrick Swayze. You know, Did you get to see things. Jeff Healy? Yeah. yeah, and you know, was, I mean, you know, we, they almost had Chicken Wire in front of the uh, in Excellent. front of the stage. So it was real, and it was a very low stage. You know, the riser was a barely twelve inches high, plenty of beer, and uh, the, the you know, and Al Cooper got up there and he said, you know, guys, these guys are going to be the next Rolling Stones, and we all just went, oh my God, the kiss of death. Right? You know, you've got to yeah. be kidding. It's like no. saying the new Dylan or the new yeah, Beatles. The new Beatles, yeah. you know. Oh, Al, how could you? And so these guys got scruffy-looking guys, you know, with hair, and you know, just down to here, you know, polished act, didn't think so. And outside of Gainesville, Georgia, no one had ever heard of these guys before. He got up on stage, he introduced the band called Leonard Skinner. Oh, you son of a bitch. Oh, and you bastard. No. no one, no one had ever seen them outside of Georgia before. And, of course, they tore the house down. You saw them in a tiny little club for the first time. And their first album came out a couple of weeks later. And, you know, and they told us it was going to be big. And, of course, it was. And uh, that's the rest of the story. Seriously, and you did it just like, and no one had ever heard of a little band from Gainesville. But you know them. <laughs> as, as Leonard... Skinnered. And now, you know, oh, Christ, the rest suck. of the story. I was kind of nervous when you were building up. I'm like, oh, God, what if this isn't the... What if it's Molly Hatchet? I don't know why I wouldn't have thought, like, <laughs> you're thinking, like, name-dropping the Rolling Stones. Sorry. Why would I have not thought that it was... What if it had been great? And that band was Black Oak, Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Jim Dandy. You know, you, you know James as Jim. Jim Dandy. <laughs> oh, wow. And, 
And of course, right. and, and that year, you know, and just, just to put the postscript on this, uh, and I'll, I'll be very brief, the, the whole Leonard Skinner thing, they went on tour with The Who, opening for The Who on the Quadrophenia tour. Ah. So MCA packaged the whole thing. This was a huge thing, and of course. This was the first time anybody had seen Leonard Skinner in a large uh, auditorium or stadium-type atmosphere. And of course, they were tearing the house down wherever they went. And uh, when I saw them at the Cow Palace in San Francisco, this was the night that Keith Moon collapsed in, like, the third or fourth number. Uh-huh. You know, he had taken a bunch of LSD, and he had fallen over, and then you, know, you could see that roadies were trying to prop him back up with their hands on his on his seat, you know, and he was just falling all over the place. And they had to stop the show, and they dragged Keith Moon back into the locker room, then into the, into the shower, and, and Pete Townsend screaming, What did you take? What? Just tell us what you take. <laughs> And so they got him back out there on stage again. You know, they you know put him in the cold shower and you know, I, uh, collapsed again. I interviewed Screech from Saved by the Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Todd Tulsa's ImagingVoice.com. Thank you, Todd. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, like us next. Mike O'Mara's show at 7. Uh, Phil Hendry at 11. As always, thank you for listening. Watch out for Snakes. We will see you all tomorrow at 10 for the recap, 11 for the show. Sarah Dillon produces it. Do the rest in your head. See you all tomorrow. And bye. I am a golden god! Yeah!